1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: Connecting to the big show. In three, two, now, one. We're the only country that comes
3: up with a name for a fun. Crack. It's blackguarding.
4: It's scotting It's no harm. 55 euros straight out of my account. So they have my money and I have no test.
5: It's time to all
6: these people and it's always a
5: good-hearted person to change them.
7: Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp
6: 83
2: 3 96, 96, 96
7: Email opinion at 96 fm
2: This is The Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Parks 96 FM.
3: Hello. Happy Friday. Don't you love a Friday morning, particularly when it's lovely and mild and bright and sunny like that. First of September, the first of autumn. It's also a special day for mums. This is International Moms Do Nothing Day No it is, I tell you it is Well, so they tell me on the International Day calendar Today is International Moms Do Nothing Day So enjoy, if you can It's also the first day, just while I was looking this up this morning I came across uh, the first, I won't tell you what it was Some of the, One of the most popular sweeties of all time We've all had him. One of the most popular sweeties of all time went on the shelves for the first time on this day in 1932. I'll tell you what it is. Oh, come on. International Moms Do Nothing Day. So who's going to do everything? Who cares? Sit back. Do nothing. Tomorrow's Saturday. We can sort it out then. Then I'm a typical man saying that, aren't I? Go on, go on. Oh yeah, lovely morning. My lovely morning was spoiled a little bit. I've shared the video on all my socials and I think we are putting it up on ours as well on Twix anyway. That's my new name for Twitter, by the way, Twix. Um, I got the bus in this morning and I always enjoy the walk from Grand Parade up here to... Broadcasting house Just 10, 15 minutes Stop for a coffee And bean in leaf of one of those And just stroll up Lovely morning it was Until I turned into Princess Street And I put the video up It's about 20 seconds long It's on all my socials The state of Princess Street This morning No disrespect to any of the businesses It's not your fault But Princess Street is manky Utterly and completely And totally manky with our graffiti and spray paint and tags. It's just horrible. Really looks rundown and tatty and manky. And and with all the closed-up businesses as well, doesn't help. I was really disappointed by that this morning. Right, where have we gone? Oh, yes. Did you see that statistic that came out from Eurostat? These are the people who do statistics for all of the European Union. And they look at various things various times of the year and because they're doing it right across the European Union the sample size is very big which means that the reliability of the figures is very very high Eurostat have now reported that people in their late 20s in Ireland are among the highest in the EU who are living with their parents so 25 to 29 year olds 68% of 25 to 29 year olds are still living with their parents Four years ago, that was only 45%. So they've shot up in four years from 45% to 68%. Conor Caplis has been looking into this for the Irish Times and talking to some of the people who are staying at home
8: with their parents. And and Conor, what is the main reason? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Um, So yeah. I've been speaking to um, a lot of uh, people about this issue and, and look, being, being 24 myself, it's something that um, you know a lot of people I know, um, they'd be in a similar situation, but there's increasingly there's a sense that um, there's just so much hopelessness around this issue. Um, I've spoken to many people who have moved out um, a couple of times and they've had to move back in with their parents because on a modest salary, they're just not saving anything. And there seems to be a growing sense that, you know, um, people have done what they've they were told to do. They've gotten their degree. They've gotten their job. You know, but this social contract is has been broken, and uh, you know they're just they're they're not being able to really um start their lives, and it's it's intensely defeating on people. You know, it's it's tough on their mental health. Um, living at home with your parents, you know, right up until uh, your late twenties, e- even in your thirties as well, you kind of feel. Um, maybe a bit infantilized by living with your parents um, and, and of course anyone in that situation emigration is on is on the mind yeah. um, you know I, I spoke to one person who um, who was living in Dublin for eight years and then he had to move back to, uh, to Mayo to live um, with his foster mother but you have to remember that there's a cohort of people who don't have homes to go back to mm-hmm. and they're suffering even worse and you know th- those stories are kind of reflected in in the homeless figures every month, you know, it was um, nearly thirteen thousand in um, in July, and you know, so so this issue, um, it's it's extremely pronounced, and you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, are, are are really having a tough time of it because of it. You've moved to Dublin
3: recently. Uh, is there an accommodation crisis there? Like, are, we know there is, but is have we any concept of how bad it is?
8: Well, um, I guess I, I've been. Um, uh, this is sort of my my sixth year in in total living in Dublin. I'm from Louth, um, and certainly since since I since I came um, to college, it was 2017. You know, it's it's just totally different. Um, and if if you if you've been if you've been staying put, and if you're in a house, um, and you're on rents at that time, and 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 maybe the rent pressure zones have have kept it fairly low, you might be okay. But if you're moving around a lot, and if you can't you know, stay in one spot for more than a year. Or so you know, those rents are going up by a lot more than for for you in actual terms, than then um uh then the rent pressure zone um cap and and so so really just increasingly it's just um it's getting worse and worse. And and I lived in Cork there for a year. Yeah. Um, and ha- had a fantastic time of it. You know, um really great. And and the rent, you know, I saved so much compared to Dublin, but really? it took me took me uh nearly about six months to try and get a place that i was actually happy with that i'd be happy paying that rent for because just the, the quality of stuff that's out there is yes. it's quite low at the moment now i don't know what you were living in what kind of a place you were living in in cork what one bedroom two bedroom um it was um a three bed and it was um it was on the keys there um okay. uh, on on one for key yeah right and you were what were you paying for that per month say I was paying five fifty, or and then a little bit more with bills. No, so that was so your share, honest? Yeah. Um. That that was my share of it. Yeah. Yeah. And but in, and but in, now Dublin in Dublin,
3: what would cost you if you could even get it, Connor?
8: So so I'm on eight fifty now. But like, um, you know, I would have I would have been shocked to pay that only two or three years ago. But um, but now you know, um uh that, that's that's seen by some as comparatively good um you know i had i had one time i i was living in a place um about two years ago in dublin and um a colleague of mine at work actually lived in the place back in 2012 2013 and the, the exact same spot and uh, i was saying okay i was paying 750 one of the other lads was paying 700 and and she was telling me that uh that it was costing them 300 quid for one room, two seven five for another, three fifty for another. And in fairness, they got the kitchen done up, but it, it it really kind of shows that just in such a short space of time, how much um mm-hmm. how much the rents have have changed. And and to, to go back to the topic at hand, you know, um uh, it's it's uh, you know it's it's these kind of um uh, rents that are just pushing people uh, back into their homes, and w- which is, which, like I said, it's it's yeah, it's quite a defeating process um, for anyone to have to do, especially if you've been living out for a while. Um, you know, there's there's a change to independence. Um, you know, your social life suffers. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you're living out in the country. You you you've been relying on public transport. You can't drive. You know, that that can that can really be tough. Um, and, and as well, like if if you're looking to move out, um, you know, it can be a lot easier on people who have. Um, you have a partner who you have someone to sort of split a room with them but if you're single it can be you know extremely difficult especially to try and save for that that 10% of deposit that everyone's kind of working towards. Yeah. But if you're, if you're out renting, um, in Cork and Galway, Dublin, wherever, and you're on a mo- mo- modest salary, um, you know, it can be a really slow, slow road towards that 10% deposit. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think, I think if people had some certainty that they felt, you know, in, in, you know, however many years time that they could get a place, you know, there might be, uh, you know, a sense of, um, or there might be, a, a a a better outlook on things but but really there there isn't you know and and some people obviously they they will they'll get the house um and you know they'll pay a lot of money for it but um but there is this this sense that um it's out of out of reach for a lot of people and that's why um many of those living at home um or with their parents um are are considering are considering emigration or or have emigrated and you know to be honest i think those stats that have come out from from Eurostat. Um, I, I think if, if the amount of people who were living with their parents, um, uh, hadn't emigrated, we, we would see those a bit higher because, you know, it, um, they're, they're almost, they're almost one in the same. When you speak to anyone living at home, you know, they're, they're always thinking Australia, the U S you know, UK, wherever it's, 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 it's for, it's for, it's forefront in their mind, you know? One one of the uh, case studies you
3: cite is a chap called Rory, twenty six, and there was about a group of about fourteen friends in their mid to late twenties, and he said just one yep. of them has moved out of home, and everybody else are either back living at home or they've or they've emigrated. Emigration is up; a lot of people are emigrating because it's part of what you do, Connor. But do you, in then, the, in your research, are people feeling? Because I can remember back in the eighties uh, and the nineties, even when people emigrated because they felt they had no option because there was nothing here for mm. them. There was no job, there was no work, there was no future. They went now there are jobs and there are futures. We've a full with full employment, we've a thriving economy. Yeah. And they're emigrating again.
8: Yeah. Yeah. So so obviously um you know emigration isn't all Solely due to to finances and housing, you know, we, we we do have a culture of going abroad, seeing the world, and and that's obviously in there to some extent. Um, with with uh, chatting to Rory, that that friend of his who who moved out, um, he that chap is um he's an electrician, you know, fairly specialised, was on it was on a good income. Um, but a lot of his other friends just just can't afford it, and and you know, for 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 immigration, um. Uh, you know I think there's a lot of people who um, you know yes they're in jobs um, yes Ireland in so many metrics is um, is a safe country um, is is doing well our GDP is great all, all this this stuff is good and, mm. and on paper you know has a lot of the, the reasons to um, attract people to come here, which we're seeing that, um, but also you'd think a lot of people would stay. But but really, the, the, the key thing is if if you're looking at housing, which is such an important thing for Irish people, like it's it's nearly in our blood to sort of own mm. property. And um uh, and if you're looking at at the situation right now, and you know you could you could go off to to somewhere for five to ten years and come back. Um, uh, with enough for deposit Um, but the the difficult thing is you know if you're paying like i am 850 a month um you know if, if you're on a modest salary like it you, you can't you no. can't save enough no, to, to properly no, get, get that deposit so so really you know i think it's 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 a mix of things like obviously People emigrate for for all sorts of reasons, and the sunshine <laughs> would de- would certainly be a part of that. Um, and, and just just a bit of adventure, you know, like people people do that when they're young. Um, but you know, um, I think uh, there's a f- a fair amount in that figure who um who uh, do feel like they they don't have any other choice.
3: All right, okay. Well, Carla, thank you, Conor capitalist writing about that issue in the Irish Times. Sitting opposite me is our own uh, Katie O'Keefe from from the newsroom. What 25? twenty five? Hold on there to get that open for you. 25? Yeah.
9: 25. And still
3: living at home? Still at home? By choice or what?
9: So, I was talking to Maureen this morning, we're of a similar age in the newsroom. And, like, it is by choice. I could move out. Yeah. I could. But I wouldn't be living. Yeah. Like, I could pay my rent, but then I have no life. Yeah. So, that's kind of, and that's just the way it is. And, like, I have a car, so it's either do you have the car or do you rent? And in the nature of the job, I need my car. So yes. it's it's very like, it's just, no one I know my age has moved out. Yeah. Like yeah. not one person I speak to has moved out.
3: No, I was, I moved out the day I got married. I was 29 and it's one of my regrets that I didn't, not that I didn't like living in a home, it was grand, but that I didn't go in my early 20s and go, even go to Australia, go somewhere for a couple of years, um, do you have
9: an itch to move out? I'd love to move out. Would you? I would not love because you don't get out. Out of at home, no. No, no. I love living at home. I love right. my parents and everything, and I'm very, very lucky that I'm allowed to live at home, rent free and save. Yeah. But for me, at the moment now, I'm 25, so I'm at the stage now where I'm saying I'm just going to save for a mortgage. What is the point of me moving out now? Yeah. Like there is no point in me renting now. I'm lucky I don't have to rent.
3: Yeah.
9: But I just don't see the point of it. Yeah. The yeah. aim now is just to get the mortgage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's
3: it. <laughs> Not that we want to lose you, right? <laughs> but have you ever considered heading to the airport?
9: Um I'm a bit of a homebird, so I can't say I would, but when I was younger, like I would have said maybe America that, that, that would have been it, but no, never because I always I'm always of the opinion the grass is always greener.
3: Yeah. What about your friends? Any of them left?
9: Yeah, so my friend is living in Canada at the moment mm-hmm. and she she did say like price wise it's not much different. Yeah. Rent? Rent wise cost of living not much different like she said yeah you're getting the quality of the experience but she found that the cost of living was no different and she had lived independently in Cork City before she moved to Canada so she could really compare
3: Right. and she
9: didn't find the comparison too different.
3: And in your own like that's one friend in your circle say maybe your five or six or seven closest friends Casey, Are they at home or are they out?
9: Oh everyone I know it's at home. Really, everyone I know is at home.
3: And is it by choice? Would they go off? Like, would 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 six or seven of you like to take a big apartment downtown?
9: You would, of course. Like, uh, absolutely. Like, I I moved out for college, and even the price I paid for college accommodation compared to what's up on the the websites now, like it doesn't even compare. And I was only in college six years ago. Yeah. So, like, where I would have paid, I think just the bones of five hundred a month, including bills. I've seen college apartments this morning. I had a look that were 450 a week, that's, excluding That's bills.
3: completely unsustainable, isn't it?
9: So, it, like, you can't do that.
3: That's completely unsustainable. Katie, thanks, and j- just stay away from the airport. We, we like having <laughs> you here. <laughs> that's Katie O'Keefe from Cork's 96FM News. Very typical 25-year-old living at home, would love to move out, but no point. So she's staying at home and saving. Thanks, Katie, and thanks to Connor Capitalist as well from the Irish Times before that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, I was I got I got married and I was what age? was I twenty-nine and I moved out that morning. Should I have moved out years before that and just tried life outside? I never had to. I you know, I, I liked living at home. I had an attic bedroom and you know, my own independence, my own space at home, a great relationship with my parents, all those things. And I was working uh, all that time. But I never moved out. And I'm kind of, to this day, kind of sorry that I didn't move out for the independence or that I didn't go somewhere else. I have very few regrets in my life. I'm happy to say at this age of mine that I have very few regrets in my life. One of them is that I didn't travel, and that I didn't move out of home before I got married because my poor misfortunate wife married a man who couldn't boil an egg. That was my fault, not my parents' fault, nobody else's fault except my own. Couldn't boil an egg, couldn't wash a shirt.
7: Join the conversation.
2: This is the Opinion Live.
7: With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 F.
3: Um, I just said it was that day I didn't endorse it or anything I think it's a great idea National, well they call it officially National Lazy Moms Day uh, National Moms Do Nothing Day I've always talked about the sheer joy of doing nothing even if it's only for an hour For for some reason people are laughing at me even thinking of the prospect of a National Moms Do Nothing Day or National Lazy Moms Day day. Tracy sent me a voice note.
10: I'm gone since I got out of the bed at quarter to seven. PJ, that's a laugh. There's
11: not one mother on this artist is going to put down tools today and do nothing for their family.
3: Why not, Tracy? Why not? Now, we asked her to come on the air, but she, she's too busy down the supermarket, doing the weekly shop and all the other chores before the kids finish school. She says, just some laugh to think that women can just down tools for the day and do nothing okay, okay, I get it, I get it but I just read it out Jeez, I'll keep it to myself the next time <laughs> National Moms Do Nothing Day even, here's the thing for all the moms, right why not just even set aside an hour a half an hour five minutes entirely for yourself it's a very good, no seriously though it's a very good wellness practice uh, it, it, it's, it keeps me sane certainly now look, grown up kids you know, a bit older, fine, we can do it. But there's a serious wellness conversation to be had and mindfulness conversation to be had and well-being conversation to be had about just putting some time aside for yourself. Maybe we started with this conversation about National Moms Do Nothing Day or National Lazy Moms Day. Thanks for that. Speaking of moms, uh, Sienna, Miller, Miller, Sienna Miller is to become a mom for the second time She is 41. She already has a 10-year-old daughter called Marlowe with her previous partner. But her new partner is Ollie Green. No, I don't know who he is either, but he's only 26. And she is expecting a baby. She's 41. Now, it didn't bother me when I read it. It Makes no difference to my life. But she has been rather unfairly judged on social media. And she's getting a a bit of good old-fashioned... Misogyny. Siobhan Hanley is features writer uh, with the Independent. Siobhan, good morning. Good morning. I read about this and I thought, good on you, girl, and you're carrying forty-one—a hell of a lot better than some people carry thirty-one. So <laughs> go on about you, go on about you. Um, but but there, there's a lot. Of, there is a bit of nastiness out there.
12: There is. I I, I don't know. I think. I think people initially think, okay, he's, what's so good, quick maths. 15 years. 15 years. So he's 15 years her junior. And I think the first gut reaction people have is like, you know, that's a different stage of life to have a kid at or whatever it is. And people, you know, instantly think that's probably the first thing people look at. But then I think the fact that she, that it's the woman who is the older party in this relationship and having the child that, it seems to rub people up the wrong way when, the, you know, the reverse happens all the time, particularly in Hollywood or, you know, in mm. with celebrities, the same, you know, I, I was only just thinking about Robert De Niro at 79 welcoming his seventh child, <laughs> I think, earlier in the year. Yeah. Like, and, and, now and everybody, said to everybody said um, fair play to him.
3: Everybody said fair play to him.
12: Whereas there's this kind of a different narrative when it's an older woman, and I, oh, I say older isn't the older person in the relationship because Sienna Miller is not by any means old, but the woman who is older that suddenly if they're having a child at a later age that it's really selfish and it's unfair on the child that they'll have and, you know, why is she bothering to do this now or she already has a child and all this kind of stuff when the same thing doesn't really apply mm. when... The man is the older person in the relationship.
3: Now, how much of it, Saoirse, is down to, to medicine? Because doctors, well, with few exceptions, I'll put that down there. But doctors will still say to women, the best time to have a child is before you're 35. And every year after that, the prospect of things going wrong increases
12: this is true and I think as well I think that there's a language thing too in that I'm pretty sure over 35 is, is a geriatric pregnancy yeah I don't like
3: that word I don't like health,
12: you know <laughs> exactly and that's the problem it's the word they use Um, but I think I think it's I I mean I'm not a doctor so I definitely cannot say this with any kind of certainty but it does seem to me like something that's quite outdated I think a lot of things that we kind of take as the norm are things that were the norm before and I think you know in years previous, women had children before thirty-five a lot of the time. That was, uh, you know, more of a priority. I think there was, you know, there was less of a chance to do things other than that before mm. thirty-five. Whereas I think now, you know, so I think it made sense that the medicine does match that. And obviously, you know, as you get older, there is more danger involved. But forty-one isn't that
9: far mm. off thirty-five.
3: No, no. Well, somebody mentioned to me, and we had a, another conversation about this a few months back, um, where. It was the way that you, you had your children and then you got on with life and career. Now you have life and career and you set yourself up and then you get to a certain age. And you say, right, now I'll have a child. That's yeah, kind of, ch- you know, that, that, that sort of thing has pivoted a bit. You live a bit first and I, then you have children.
12: Definitely. And I think that's the thing that, you know, I'm 26 and I know a lot of my peers and friends like if we were to talk about having children it's always a case of oh but sure you know I've got this plan now where I want to go to Australia next year or I'm doing this or god I just started this new job and I want to do that for a while and this kind of stuff that it definitely at least for you know among people that I know is such a backseat Mm. thing for me to worry about down the line that it's and I, I do think that is baffling sometimes because it's not the way that my parents and you know my friends parents would have been like when I think about my parents I think my mum had me when she was 28 Mm. so if I was to think about having me in two years time that is a completely nonsensical idea in my mind I can't fathom how anybody afforded that how anybody you know managed that how anybody did that and then also went to work it, it baffles me
3: it really does well, you look back at your mother's generation my mother's generation our grandmother's generation Like, my, they were pregnant misfortunate women of Ireland were almost continually pregnant from the day they got married till the day they yeah. were in the late 30s it was a horrible way
12: I, and I thought, the marriage was were happening dreadful. when they were a lot younger too. So it's, oh, they were getting it's, it's married at 20, they were, 21, Yeah,
3: they were, they were getting married at eighteen, nineteen, twenty. We'll say twenty. Get married at twenty and almost continually pregnant until they were thirty-one or two. Should a they had no life? B they were destroyed?
12: Yeah, it's it's and I think this, that it's all that kind of that that knowledge and that history that we that we have and that we know of is what kind of creates conversations like this that we then therefore think someone at 41 having a child is like inconceivably old just because it's so opposite to what would have been the norm you know 20-30 years ago mm. and I think that some of those maybe roots are a little bit harder to, to shuck off I think and we still have them in a lot of things that we talk about today.
3: Now she's 41, he's 26, no no because the male brain and the female brain mature differently and a 26-year-old woman is an awful lot more mature than a 26-year-old man. My daughter, for example, is 10 times the adult I was at 25. <laughs> I mean it. I mean it, right? But, like, there's a possibility that this Ollie, cha- I don't know who he is either, but Ollie might change his mind entirely when the baby is born and she, she could be left literally holding the baby that's a problem
12: this is true but i think i think that happens at any age i think there's there's you know people that seem to have that awful dynamic no matter what age they are i think it's just i i what we, i think there's something about celebrity as well that it does seem to make them exist on a different plane that you can almost you feel like they're operating on a completely different world to the rest of us that you almost wonder if those kind of you know experiences and those kind of Things that we imagine happening to people that we know. Say, if someone, if you say, if you knew someone twenty-six who had a child, or someone who's forty-one, you might imagine that more. It's almost harder to imagine when you think about this world of celebrity and money and other worldiness. Now, I don't know who Ollie Green is myself, actually, but I'm assuming Sienna Miller has enough to get by for the two of them. But I, I would wonder so. about how that's going to pan out. You know, when the child is born, and when, you know, when that child is ten, and Sienna Miller is fifty-one, and his dad is 36, yeah.
3: you know? Well, it's, well, take people that we do know, right? Olivia Wilde, of whom I'd be a big fan, and mm-hmm. Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. Now, they've, they've split up, but, like, he was, what, age 21 or 2? And she was in her late 30s? And people looked on and said, oh, my God, look at that. Now, those of us who were fans of Olivia Wilde were fierce, envious of the umphaline. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. But big age differences in celebrity world, they're not a new thing.
12: They're definitely not. Yeah, I think I think people do have different thoughts about it though. When the woman is older, like I, I, I mean, I think one of the things that really sticks out for me is the thought of, you know, the dynamic is really the problem. That when you when it comes to Sienna Miller and Ollie Green, you think, okay, that's one thing. But like, what comes to mind for me is like when Cheryl Cole or Cheryl Tweedy, I think she's now, and Liam Payne okay. were together and had a child. And, you know, that was a big gap. But the biggest, you know, alarm bell in my mind was that she met him when he was really young. And that changes the dynamic again. And that, I think, is where more of an issue seems to crop up where it's, you know, we expect, okay an age gap. You know, each their own. These things happen. But when the dynamic is a little bit off, that's where it's strange. And that just seems to be more the case with the reverse.
3: So there's a thing now. You've just said something that, in fairness, my wife lives by I try to, right? Sure, each to their own. It's none of our business. <laughs> if it's working for them, it's working for them.
12: But sure, to each their own doesn't work for an opinion line. <laughs> this is true,
3: too. This is true, too. Seriously, <laughs> <Sure, sure, laughs> sure, sure, great talking to you. Seriously Hanley, features writer with The Independent, and uh, and one of her own, too. She's from Cork. Yeah, Bear, Bear was saying, PJ, my mom had me at 46. There was nine before. Nine before. God. Imagine trying to get into that bathroom of a morning. Thanks, says Burr. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 96 96 I just can't. And I know, look the Ireland of big families is kind of gone. Um, I cannot. I remember there was my mother-in-law, God rest her, she knew a family. I won't use their name, right? But there was something like 16 or 17 children. Like seriously. And The poor woman had had 20-something pregnancies, and we'd say 17 or 18 of them lived. There were 17 or 18 children. And this is true now. I'm not making this up. And I won't give you the name. I won't, like, because there's loads of them. There's around everywhere, children and grandchildren. But she, she used to say they'd come up to the pub every Saturday night, and they'd have their own corner up in the pub, I won't even say what pub it was but they'd come up to the pub of a Saturday night and they'd all sit in their own corner and all the men would come with their wives and the wives would come, whatever and she said, "Should they were a very close family, I'm thinking what flipping choice had they
7: Join the conversation This is the Opinion Live With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie Fox 96 SP.
2: The two grand minute. Listen
7: to play at 7:40 and 8 40 every day. I'm in love with the
2: money. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euro. euros. 2,000 yeah, euros. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. I'm
4: getting money. <laughs>
2: Cork's 96FM
3: Parents and children, parents and children I tell you, uh, and the same stuff comes in every August or as it is now, 1st of September 1st of Autumn, don't be giving me the other nonsense, 1st of Autumn today 1st of September, we get the same kind of messages in most years, and sometimes I worry about the pressure that people are putting on themselves, we got this in from Sally Okay. Hi PJ, I wanted to reach out to see if any other parents are in the state I'm in about school lunches. I have a boy and a girl going to school. One is a picky eater, the other would eat anything. Usually I give them a sandwich, crackers, fruit and water. Sounds good to me, Sal. But I can't help but feel I'm a crappy mom when I see the amount of efforts that some put into their school lunches, mainly on Instagram. My God, the amount of cooking, prepping, and variation in the school lunch boxes makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. I'd love to mix things up for the kids so it's not the same every morning. There's only so many ham sandwiches they can eat. Any way you'd throw it out to listeners and get some suggestions. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for that, Sally. I read a piece during the week, actually. One of the, I don't know where it was, one of the papers, I have it here. That the favourite school sandwich, they did research, the Bread Bakers Association, if you don't mind, the Irish Bread Bakers Association and the Healthy Heroes School Programme did some research. And first of all, they found that 42% of parents who have children in school put a sandwich in the lunchboxes. And the most popular, the humble ham and cheese. The humble I love them to this day, I love the humble ham and cheese sandwich is the most favorite thing in any lunchbox, but Sally feels that because there's so much pressure on parents now to vary it and cassie it up and prep it. it's all on Instagram. Sally feels under pressure, Deirdre Doyle is owner and educator at the cool food school dot i e Deirdre my first impression is that Sally needs to ignore Instagram and do what feels right for her and her children. Good morning.
13: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. A hundred percent. That's what I'm That's what I'm thinking, listening to you there, um, PJ. We have to remember Instagram is a point in time. It's a shot. It's a single instant in a person's life. and And most people don't live like that. Um so I talk a lot about school lunches, um, especially obviously around this time of year. And my big advice to parents is to get kids to start making their own school lunches. OK. Uh, and the reason why I think that's really important is because a then the parents don't have to make them. That's really se- my secret, uh, <laughs> my mm-hmm. secret reason why I taught my kids how to make them. But um, B, it gives children ownership over their own school lunch and they are much more likely to eat something that they've prepared themselves. So they're more likely to eat the lunch that they they make at home themselves.
3: Can I ask the obvious question here that's jumping into my head? How do you avoid a lunchbox full of sweets and crisps?
13: Yes. Well, yes. So that is with the caveat that you, so as parents, there is a strategy of feeding um, developed by an American guru called Ellen Sater. It's called the Division of Responsibility in Feeding. If any of your listeners have children who have issues with um, with food, go Google it. Uh, for anybody, like I use that in, this in my house, I've been using this in my house for years and years and years. Um, I have three kids. Mm-hmm. And what the Division of Responsibility in Feeding says that as a par- as the parent and has responsibilities and the child has responsibilities. So the parent's responsibilities are the what, where and when of feeding. So that means we decide what our child is eating, where they're going to eat it and when they're going to eat it. Okay. The child is the responsibility of whether and how much. So whether or not they're going to eat it at all and how much they're going to eat. So when I talk about children making their own school lunches, My responsibility as a parent is to provide the food. So I provide the food I want my child to put in their lunchbox. I provide a source of protein. So be that tuna, be that the ham, be that chicken or egg. Not egg, generally they don't take egg. (laughs) But um, I provide that protein and then I provide a source of carbohydrate, which is generally some kind of wholemeal, but doesn't have to be. um, Wholemeal carbohydrate or whatever, wrap, bagel, bread, whatever. And that, but then my kids make their lunches. There's loads of fruit there. There's yogurts. There's uh, But I don't have crisps. I don't have chocolate. I don't have jellies on offer. So mm. then they can't take them to school. So that's how we, that's the strategy in my house.
14: Yeah.
13: And it works really well. My son has been making his school lunch since he was six. He's 12 right. now. So yeah, it's worked really, really well.
3: Mm. Most um, schools now won't allow the, the treats anyway, the chocolate or the crisps.
13: Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a minefield, PJ. Yeah, I have to be careful not to not to demonise any particular type of food. Um, we have to allow our kids to have treats. Yes. I would think. Um,
10: yes,
13: totally. And not be putting them up on a pedestal. So, there, you know, there's a lot of talk about that. Um, you know, in feeding circles, you know, that we should be giving kids treats with their dinners. to to normalize it so it's not being put up on a pedestal yeah um but but back to sally and if she's looking for ideas for her lunch boxes um i i have a list i have a list of 50 school lunch ideas on my website if she's stuck Mm -hmm. (laughs) or um i have 35 different sandwich filler ideas on my on my website as well i have lots of resources if she um if she's stuck or if any parent out there is stuck
3: yeah, yeah. Like the, if you look at the sandwich, sandwich crackers, fruit and water. Now that's a good that's a good lunch box if they if they eat their way through that. The sandwich is the one. The sandwich and the fruit you can vary. An apple one yeah. day, a mandarin the next or whatever whatever.
13: Um, 100%. And some of those Instagram lunch boxes are going in and the kids aren't eating them. That's right. Because so there's they're actually pointless because you're giving your child food to give them energy, but if they're not eating the food, they're not getting the energy. Yeah. So they need to have food that they know that they're going to eat in mm-hmm. school. So again, going back to the getting them to make their own school lunch, they'll know they'll, they're will they going to put stuff in that they know that they're going to eat. And also at the end of the day, it's only one meal in the day. Yeah. So I say to parents all the time, if, if you're worried about variety, the school lunch is not necessarily the place to be doing it. No. You do it at breakfast, you do it after school where they're, they're much more comfortable and relaxed. There's a lot of stuff going on in school, you know, that um, that's not that may cause children not to want to eat their lunch. Mm. The other kids could be commenting on their lunch. As happened my daughter before. And, you know, then she's like, well, I'm never bringing that into school again. Do you know? So whereas they might eat it at home. So, uh, you know, Sally, keep the variety and the, uh, you know, maybe for at home where they're more comfortable to eat different foods and, you know, send things in that they you know that they're going to eat yeah
3: like the chicken the the, the chicken and the ham and say a bit of beef whatever I mean yeah like you yeah. can you can home cook the chicken
13: absolutely you can yeah. keep it yeah. if, you,
3: if you have a bit of bacon or ham at the weekend you keep a bit for the going yeah. to the sandwiches if you know they like exactly. it exactly then the wrap exactly. the wrap exactly. and the bread there's nothing like you hear there's people, nothing wrong with that? people talk about white bread as if it was poison it won't hurt them they're getting it no, into their bodies. No. and they're, they're, It's nutrition. I, I, I sometimes feel that, Sally, maybe you agree with me, and the Instagram thing doesn't help, that sometimes no, the help. misfortunate parents are competing with each other and the children yes. are sitting there going, all I want is a sandwich. Yeah,
13: I know, yeah, I know, I know. And yes, Instagram I think is, is yeah, and look, I'm, I, I do use Instagram a lot, um, but I try to keep it very real on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know there is lots of people out there who... Um, make beautiful lunch boxes, but are the kids actually eating them?
3: Yes. Yes. You get the couple of strawberries and the couple of little nuts in the compartment, and there's my beautifully rolled. For oh, goodness sake, like, you spent more time putting that together.
13: Yeah. 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 That, and, what, and that's why I say you get the kids to make their lunches. Yeah. Because. Um, so, would
3: you, for example, it's it's Sally, on a Monday night or a Tuesday night, Sunday night, say, right? Sunday night. So, what would you do? Yeah. Would you put the. Do you put the, the, the available ingredients out on the countertop?
13: Is yeah, so on do? a Sunday night, what yeah, what I would tend to do is I would kind of batch something. So for example, I would make a chicken salad. So I would make um I actually this I do this, sorry. The kids well I no, sorry, I do make this, but um I like poach some chicken breasts, mm. um, chop them up when they're cool, chops up, up some grapes, some rocket. And I know parents are gonna say, My kids won't eat rocket. It's just lettuce. This is all mixed. It's just lettuce, yeah. Mix it all up with some mayonnaise and a little pinch of curry powder. So there's some sweetness from the grapes. Yeah, I know. I (laughs) want want some
3: salad now, Sally. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds gorgeous.
13: Um, Yeah, it is very nice. And um, my kids love that. So I'll have that made maybe on the Sunday night and then that's there. And that'll keep for a couple of days in the fridge. Mm. Um, if I don't do that, I might make a tuna, but my kids, my kids are older now, like my youngest is 12. They'll do this themselves. But like, I would have made like, um, a tuna, maybe so tuna mayonnaise. And then I would have made, maybe grate some carrot into it or, mm. you know, a bit of sweet corn or chopped cucumber, diced cucumber, really small and have that available in the fridge. I might have ham and cheese, so I vary. I have always varied it by, you know, week by week rather than day by day. Yeah. So they might have have three or four days in the week when they're where they're having cheese, hour the next week it might be just all ham and cheese, or the week after it might yeah, be, yeah. you know, the chicken and and that kind of thing. Um. So you and know, then, they say what's
3: like you they make their lunch, but you kind of you're prepping the batch for what they're going to put into it.
13: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I would have done when they were younger. Now they. Now they do their own thing, but okay. like they're teenagers now. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that's what I would have done. And then, then that's available for them. So that's me providing the food that I want them to eat. And then they decide, are they going to take that? And generally they would, would have always taken that. Like I have always encouraged them to take a source of protein because that's really important for them. It's going to keep them fuller during the day. Um, but then the other thing that I, cause picking them up after school, I would always have had, a really healthy, nutritious snack for them in the car, because oftentimes parents, we're going, we're going to different activities and stuff. Mm.
5: Oh.
3: Hello? Hello? Sally? To Check there, see where she is, lads. I think she may have been attacked by a seagull or something with the sound on the line. But this, we're talking to I'm talking to to Doyle of the Cool Food School. We have an email from Sally, who's desperate Two or three days into the new school year, she's a bit desperate, but what to put into the, the school, lunchbox. She puts in a sandwich, crackers, fruit, and water. She thinks it's boring. She feels it's boring, and she thinks there's a load of other effort going on that she's not making. And Deirdre is saying, "No, just, just." Deirdre has a fabulous way. Are you there? Are you there? Oh, line one. You're saying, "Let's thanks." Sorry, Deirdre, you dropped off on me there.
13: Sorry, 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 sorry.
3: So can be, it can be a fine, healthy, varied lunchbox, you teach the kids to make their own from as young as five or six?
13: Yeah, absolutely. I teach kids cooking all the time. And I, like I, I teach kids from as young as two and three. Yeah. So they're all capable. And we need to let our kids get into the kitchen. We need to let them make a mess in the kitchen you know in the same way as that we let them paint and we let that we teach them to ride a bike and we teach them all these other skills we need to let them into the kitchen we need to let them um play with food examine food get comfortable around food the food that we want them to eat yeah. so that they know how to and, and and that's why lunch a school lunch is a really simple first meal for them to learn how to make yes um you know it's it there's no standing over a stove there's no you know nothing like that so it's that's, that's why I'm a massive ad, because I've challenged the children of the nation PJ, to mm. start making their own school lunches yeah. all over the where I was saying it to kids like, in classes and stuff I was teaching so yeah
3: the one thing that that I think influences parents as a minor well through school and they're adults now but one thing that I think can be troublesome too is fad diets you know, they say, don't give your children this, don't give your children that. If it feels right, give it to them.
13: Yeah, well, at the end of the day, if they're going to eat it, um, like, there's no point in giving your children, I don't know, like, fried mango beans, if they're not going to eat them. Falafel wraps. So it, like, come on. Falafel wraps. Even if it's the healthiest thing on the planet and it's the new superfood, if they're not going to eat it, well, then they're not getting that nutrition anyway. So, I would say... Keep it simple for the school lunches. There's a lot of other things going on at lunchtime yeah. in schools, and the focus shouldn't uh, really be on the food. It should be on making sure that they eat mm. something that they bring in to keep them going for the rest of the day.
3: So, where would you start with Sally? My first advice would be get off Instagram, but that's a bit that's that's a bit too blunt. <laughs> yeah. Where would your where, where would your advice start for Sally? <laughs>
13: Well, I would say to Sally, why don't you sit down with the kids and um, have a chat to them about what they're happy to have in their lunch lunchboxes yeah. and then start showing them how to make those sandwiches, bring them to the shops, say, right, you can have, like apples actually can be very problematic in school because um, kids don't like eating a full apple in school, right. bananas aren't great for school. So it might be fruit like oranges, you know, chopped up pineapple, chopped up melon, um, berries are brilliant. Um, so, you know, talk, see what they're happy to bring into school and then show them how to start making their lunches and maybe do a little batch of, you know, a tuna salad if they're happy to eat tuna. Um, if it's ham and cheese, maybe ham and cheese is fine. Like ham, ham, they're sources of protein. But, you know, if if, if you feel that that's, you're not happy with that, maybe bake your own ham and um, roast an extra chicken when you have the oven on, you know, doing the Sunday roast. Mm-hmm. Um, but get a little plan in place so that you're, she's she is ready for, you know, the week ahead. We're, yeah. we're, it's Friday now. She's the whole weekend to, um, to put a little plan in place, get the kids, show them how to make the sandwiches, get them excited about it because kids love being in the kitchen. They love cooking. They love being hands on. And I know that because I see it day yeah. in, day out when I'm out teaching. Mm-hmm. So um, that would be my uh, my solution to her Um, bring them to the shops see, like, do they want, um, you know, yogurts? Is there any yogurts? Uh, yogurts can be problematic too. <laughs> I've, I've been through all this with my kids, like the kids, the teachers don't want the, the yogurts in because they stain the carpet or that they can't. Open them, yeah, and and everything that kids need to be able to open the stuff that they bring in. So if they're bringing in the likes of fruits, they need to be able to open them. Um, mm. Because I know teachers can be demented opening 30, 30 fruits at lunchtime. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know,
11: I know. It, it's,
3: all, it's all too complicated. I'm, I'm just so glad I'm out of that part of my life. And to be fair, it was Queen Bee did most of it, I have to say. I have to say. But thank you very much, Dear Dudoyle, the Cool Food School. Look it up. But her ad- advice to Sally is let them start making up. Their own lunchbox.
7: Join the conversation.
2: This is the Opinion line
7: With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit HiddenHearing.ie. 96FM.
2: <laughs> the minds are live. Oh, hello.
7: Join the conversation
2: Call 0818 96, 96,
7: 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396
2: 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Fox 96
3: FM Interested in the responses to my video that I took this morning at Princess Street just after 7 o'clock I just thought the place was manky and run down and vandalised. I get that graffiti is art. I know what street art is. What's down there isn't street art. It's vandalism. It's horrible. Plus the flagstones, the paving stones, are manky, dirty too. And those lovely planters, and they are lovely planters. They really could do with some uh, TLC. They're they're overrun and it's just not looking as nice as as, as they used to look. But. Listen. Some people are saying I'm wrong. Some people are saying I'm right. That's the dory of it. That video's on all my socials. I think we've shared it as well on our Twitter. 0818 96, 96, 96, The number. Back to older mums. Um, bear I read this out, but uh, your mom, you were, your mom was forty six when you were born, yeah? Correct. Yes. Tj,
11: she was. Good morning,
3: And you were the youngest of ten.
11: Youngest of ten. Yes. And. Um, I guess back in, back in those days, PJ, you know, like, there was no such thing as, you know, all these scans and all that business, you know. No such thing as what,
3: bear Sorry you didn't catch that. Sorry, love.
11: Scans and all these oh, things. yes, okay, things. yeah. And the majority of them had a, had a, at home. That's right. You know, ex- of course, except me. I was in the hospital, but the rest were just born at home.
3: Yeah. And so, big and families were normal, too.
11: But it was great, PJ, because we all looked after each other.
3: Yeah. You you know? the, how did you get into the bathroom? Pardon? How did you get into the bathroom?
11: I do give you a laugh now, PJ. We didn't have a bathroom, love. All we had was a toilet. Right. And my mum, God love her, we used to have a big range at home, you know. Yeah. And she'd be there with the bucket or the big dish.
5: Right.
11: Filling it up and all, we, like, you know, obviously all of us weren't at home then. Sure. But well, we used to all beg to get in before the other person, you know, let me be forced in case.
3: You get the clean water.
11: Yes, <laughs> yes. But well, we were as happy as the days were long.
3: Yeah, you're coming out of a big family and...
11: Uh. And my poor mum, you know, like she actually thought that I was the menopause. <laughs> what? So, yes, of course, like at 46, you think you're going through the menopause.
3: Oh, I have you now, her period's and stopped
11: then <laughs> right, okay. I popped out. So I just walk around now, PJ and I say menopause it's brilliant look at me you know (laughs) (laughs) that's what I tell them Yeah
3: there were different times weren't they like people people didn't know what was going on with their bodies.
11: Like I always remember my mum telling me that the first time that she was expecting she hadn't a clue PJ Yeah whether it's going to come out her side or belly button Uh can you believe that like
3: I can actually sadly I can
11: You can, yeah, you know that too.
3: And may I, may I be so bold as to ask? After ten children, like was she was she physically okay?
11: Oh, fantastic! She was she she was ninety one. Get away! Yeah, she was the most amazing. Like she should be her own. No, PJ. She's just she was before her time. If you know what I mean.
3: They were tough women, though, weren't they?
11: Oh, they sure were. No washing machines, no nothing, and but then again I mean we didn't have you know a wardrobe full of clothes if that makes sense mm-hmm. you know like there was the Sunday best and yeah. you know we
3: were talking age. we were talking Sorry. about school lunches what did you get going to school
11: oh like that PJ and um, if I was like that now. bread jam bread and jam bread jam and no problem <laughs> like we were always like my mum my always believed in variety yeah and a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah so bread and jam one day, bread and marmalade the next, yeah, <laughs> but it was always you were always fed and always looked do you think there's too, do you think there's too much focus to but
11: I th- there is, but I think the most important part of it always right, you'd say there was ten us there, obviously, mm. somewhere after leaving the house, but you know the love and affection that we had, yeah, and the laugh, the memories, yeah you know which then, you as a person, Yeah. like that. Like, there's not a day goes by I don't talk about my mum or my dad, yeah. because they were just amazing.
3: Yeah. What What age did Dad live to be?
11: Dad was eighty-seven.
3: Fine age.
11: He Fine. Eight, yeah. He used to be a shoe repairer in Carrigaline years ago, Bill oh. Kerwin. Right. His name. Okay. And um, we used to just have a crack with him, you know. Yeah. You yeah. know, we just go say, Dad. You, for you. you didn't even
5: know half
11: us over the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh. you, don't, you don't remember.
5: <laughs> oh, Bernie's that's, oh,
3: that's
11: gas. Great
3: that, times. That, that, that's gas. That, that you've given me a laugh this morning. I love that. Very <laughs> yeah. <Bert>, great. Thank <laughs> you so much for your call. Uh, the youngest of 10, born under mom was 46. Mam lived to be 91. Dad lived to be 87. They were tough people they were really tough people back then i'm so glad thanks bear Maeve says i'm so glad i made lunches before the internet now i'm still making lunches but given my daughter what she'll eat i don't mind and mind that instagram stuff they're probably getting the leftovers for their dinner it's all fake my daughter now this is a serious one last year my daughter's school gave them 10 minutes to eat lunch she came home most days with leftover uneaten food because they hadn't time to eat and go out in the yard. Brought it to the school's attention and the response was they have to get fresh air in good weather. I I can't see why they won't let them bring the little lunchbox out into the yard but that's just me. Then someone says small kids in the kitchen with knives, bad idea. I would think supervised by a parent and they have to learn anyway. Ten minutes to eat lunch my daughter's school. She came home most days with the food uneaten. This is common enough, isn't it? This is very common. they not giving him enough time to eat. And Frank, oh listen, Google this. You'll find it on YouTube. It's one of the most relaxing videos you'll ever watch in your entire life. And that is Me Halliburahertig, the legend. That is Me Halliburahertig. What is he now? About ninety four or five? Me Halliburahertig making a ham and ch- a ham and cheese or a ham and tomato or something sandwich. It is the most relaxing, gorgeous thing you'll ever see. Thanks, Frank, for that memory. Google it, you'll find it. 0818 96 96 96. On the subject of food, I'm joined by Bridget McGinty uh, who runs Taste Buds. It's a food truck in Middleton with a kind of a full restaurant menu out of a food truck. I will get to that in a minute, but Bridget McGinty With a name like that and reared in Cleveland, Ohio, there's got to be a strong Irish connection. Good morning.
15: Good morning. Uh, Yes, definitely uh, an Irish connection. I'm careful to say uh, that I have Irish heritage here, where as back home, I would say that I was Irish 100%. But um, yes, my mother is a Nugent. uh, My father, a McGinty. And uh, supposedly, like everyone in Cleveland, we were always told we were from Mayo. And I think that's just what everybody says. Um, Why? Is there some connection
3: between Mayo and Cleveland? There is.
15: Oh, huge. Um, We're kind of uh, sister cities, uh, Cleveland and... Mayo, Westport, Westport or, maybe, right. uh, yeah. Ackle Isle for sure. Okay.
3: Okay.
15: Um, And there are a lot of uh, families uh, with ties, but I don't think that means we're all from there. And now that I've moved to Cork, yeah. uh, we are finding that we do have some family uh, from Cork um, in a state of uh, my great aunt, Edda Mahoney's state, hmm. was just sold uh, her estate and they found a trunk of letters right. and apparently my grandmother had a boyfriend from Cork writing letters and <laughs> um, yeah, so so we're gonna explore this uh, a little more seriously. Fantastic. It's so cliche though. To, of course, to try to you, find you your
3: roots. came to Cork <laughs> wanting to be a writer. There's the start of a book yes. just right there, Bridget. <laughs> we, we'll yes. explore the 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 uh, restaurant and the whole being a chef and setting up a a, a food truck in a minute. But I want to talk about why you left Cleveland. Mm. Um, mm. And then you you became scared for your children's safety in gun
15: culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it was always a dream to move to Ireland. And just, I believe you have one life and you should enjoy it. And that people should treat one another kindly. And I've always been fascinated by storytellers. So uh, my first trip here, I was 27 and uh, I was friends with a musician. So I spent some time in pubs Mm. and I just fell in love with storytelling. Um, You know, everybody had stories, no matter what age, what, and they, they told stories so beautifully. Um, And then you go back to America and, you know, even pubs, everybody's eyes are on the television either sports or news. Um, it's just not much talking going on in America. So I absolutely fell in love with Ireland and mm. uh, had been here another time since then. And uh, in 2016, I went to the Ballymaloo, uh School of Cookery. They had a, a literary festival of food and wine. Yeah. And I really... Um, thought that this was the place I found my tribe and it was just a dream that I had but then uh, a year later uh, when my son was three he was at a daycare uh, a block away from where we lived and uh, I had gotten home from work and I had heard I saw some helicopters flying around and usually I take a nap after work and I couldn't sleep and I just felt like something was wrong and yeah. my phone started to get messages, don't go outside, um, there's a live shooter, um, <sighs> which in America is is somebody that just goes around randomly shooting at people.
3: Mm-hmm.
15: Um, and, and, and may
3: I ask, Bridget, mm-hmm. is Cleveland one of these open carry places?
15: Yes, and it's gotten even worse. Uh, I Recently, they've done away with any training that you would have to have to carry a weapon or purchase. (laughs) You know, it's scary. Yeah. So your three year old,
3: the the daycare unit went into lockdown.
15: They went into lockdown. um, And just the frustration of being one block away from your child and, you know, knowing that you can't go outside, you can't get to him. You're hoping that they're guarding the door there, that this guy can't get in. I was even hearing gunshots. Um, uh, And luckily, with owning a restaurant in Cleveland, I had a lot of contacts on my phone of of, um, police officers. And so I started calling uh, around, and they were just getting the news of it then. Um, So they confirmed that this was going on. They also confirmed that there's, you know, no risk to your son. They're on a lockdown at the daycare um so it ended with um the guy was uh, had shot at police but they found him with a heat seeking drone he was hiding in bushes somewhere and once i got the call that he was apprehended
14: mm-hmm.
15: i went to the daycare um when i went up the stairs to the reception desk the women were like, don't worry, you know, the small kids, they don't know anything. They weren't told what's going on. Yeah. But when I opened the doors to the hallway, the hallway was lined with lockers on either side. So there's no windows in there. And the kids were just sitting against the, the um, lockers. But it was such a horrifying thing to see because they really you could see the fear in the children and and I could also hear older kids talking about it, which um, really disturbed me. Mm. But when they told me that he didn't know, I didn't talk about it. I took him home. I We had um, tickets to a basketball game that night. Um, And I didn't think this was a Friday night. Yeah. But then Sunday morning, uh, we went to church. We walked to church. And I always let him pick the pew that we sit in. Mm-hmm. So when he was walking up the aisle, he was looking towards the stained glass windows and he said, Mom, Mom, we can't sit by the windows. There's a live shooter outside. He was three. And yeah, yeah. And that's when my dream of Ireland. I mean, I was on my knees that whole mess saying, OK, we need a plan here. We need to get out of here wow. um, and we need to do this quickly because I I can't, I, I can't go through that again. And that was just the slightest, slightest, you know, the, the gunman was in the area, Mm -hmm. you know, there's parents every single day almost in America that have these phone calls, you know, where um, a a shooter is inside the school or a gun is found in the school or, or somebody is making threats and it's just no way to live, um,
3: yeah, yeah. and it's, it's common enough, I think, in Cleveland, Bridget, ahead. to see policemen
15: just patrolling um, around schools. Oh, oh, yes. I mean, wow. it's the standard. I was actually very shocked in Ireland the first day I brought Ari up to um, Middleton educate together. Um, when I dropped him off from first school, I was like, that's it. There's no metal detectors. There's nobody checking backpacks. There's no you know, police, I was shocked. And then I just kind of skipped home gleefully going, yes, this is the way the world should be for children. And I do think, you know, my son did have, have bad dreams a lot of times, but about friends shooting him. (sighs) And, you know, I think about Mm. that. Like if you, every morning you're reminded walking into school they're looking for guns there's a police officer looking for guns you know and you're five and six and you know I mean that has to you know mm. really be depressing and cause so much anxiety that they are they are actively searching for that you that has to get in a child's head and and that's just yeah.
3: did, did you own uh, it on yourself at the time <laughs>
15: I, I did. And actually, I've had guns. Um, when I first opened my restaurant in 2001, um, there was a really nice review on us about how nice we were. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't think of it. But um, uh, a couple of days later, we were robbed at gunpoint Um a uh good looking you know um probably in his uh early 20s um uh guy kept letting people cut in front of him and then next thing i know he's got a gun in my sister's stomach who was running the register and she's handing him the money and this is before cell phones um so he he ended up going out the door uh, my boyfriend, who was working there at the time, chased him, but then he turned the gun on him, and we were all watching in the big window, horrified. So that, yeah, that, um, I, I it was a long time before I bought a gun, but that um, we were... The next restaurant I built, I was prepared for that. I made it very difficult for somebody to put a gun into my employee's stomach. But still, there were moments where I knew we were about to be robbed.
3: Being in Middleton, Bridget, mm-hmm. must be like being on another planet then.
15: <laughs> I can't. I just, you know, it, it, it's, it's really like this massive weight was on me, and I didn't even realize it, you know, because it's so normalized in america, and uh so being in middleton, yes, I mean i <laughs> I have a constant smile on my face, I have a lightness about me that I never had before. Um, And of course, my son doesn't even, you know, guns aren't uh, in his vocabulary. Um, It's just been amazing.
3: It's funny. I spoke a few months ago to a chap who was coming home to Ireland after 27 years in the States and actually moving back to to East Cork. Mm. And, And what he told me was that it was the day that a policeman came into his little girl's school and told them what they needed to do if someone arrived with a gun. That yeah. was the day that he just turned to his wife wow. and said, We're out of here.
15: Yeah, I've actually heard similar stories from people here in yeah. Ireland that, that they would have never dreamt that it would be, you know, that Ireland would be the promised land now, know, you know. I know, I know. Like,
3: so uh, tell me about Taste Buds. Mm-hmm. You've managed to shove a whole restaurant menu into a food truck.
15: <laughs> you should see my house. Ah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Um. I kind of. Uh, I. I don't know. I. I guess I forgot. Uh, you know. I, I don't know. I didn't plan it very well. But <laughs> what I did was. Um. I decided to take about the top five or six uh, items from my restaurant taste buds that people still are after me for recipes. Um. Which is the purpose of my writing or was. Um but uh, I decided to try them out here um and I th- thought this was small scale <laughs> um but but it's it's much larger than I um, realized I was doing but yeah so what, I, what are your
3: I- big dishes? what are your signature dishes?
15: Oh um, everyone's just going crazy for this Greek pasta that I do. Mm. Um, it's a warm penne pasta with uh, Roma tomatoes, black olives, artichoke hearts, uh, red onion, and olive oil and garlic. That's and an explosion spinach.
3: of flavor. That's an explosion.
15: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then we top it with feta cheese and toasted pine nuts.
3: Oh, I'm on the um, road. I'm on the way. I'm on the way.
15: <laughs> oh it's gotten huge huge uh everybody loves it and it's crazy because um i expected to start off very slow and gradual but it seems like everybody that tastes the food comes back the next day with a friend or you know a family member and i mean this is our first week (laughs) yeah um it's definitely uh proving that it will be successful so you're gonna write that book now You know, uh, so the material just keeps coming in. This is the the problem with my life. I keep saying, okay, I've got enough to write a book here, but then magical things keep happening. So I keep journals. um, So I have this newsletter on Substack um, where I write about the past, the future, Ireland, guns. I write about everything Mm -hmm. um, because I just can't, Uh, deduce it down to one book and one subject. Um, So, yeah. Um, And also, I wasn't going to have to work the way I had it set up in Cleveland when I was uh, planning to move to Ireland. The restaurant there was going to support me here as a writer. Well, we lost that during COVID. Oh, I'm sorry Um, to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, I'm sure most journalists know there's not much money in writing, <laughs> so mm. the money ran out in about three years. Okay. So I did mm. get about three three years of, well, who of knows? writing. Well, it, it, it
3: might happen for you someday. Lastly, Bridget, I'm delighted that mm. you settled. I'm delighted mm. that you're happy, and I can't wait to to taste that Greek pasta. But 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 but, oh. do you do you do you worry for your your homeland?
15: Oh. Yeah. You know, I feel guilt, tremendous guilt. Um, And, you know, I used to be guilt because I got out and I know many people can't. They couldn't even think about, you know, packing up and moving to a a different country. Um, And also, I I see it from afar. And uh, it's, it's just... It's even harder for me now to look at gun violence uh, because it's it's like watching lambs to the slaughter, you know. And um, the, the analogy I use is, uh, you know, it, it, I was just in a in a pool and was just brushed by a shark, you know. But everyone in America is in that pool, and the shark attacks, you know here and there and the government could easily remove the shark the semi-automatic rifles the and and you know put more gun control a little bit um but they're doing nothing about it and that is so frustrating to watch for me over here i just i can't believe it and it, it really makes me sick and every time that I see another school shooting. I used to have to track it to get permission to remain here in Ireland. I had to really prove a case on a humanitarian level. And this scary thing to me was there is a lot of information out there that this is a human rights violation, that people should not have to live like that. And, you know, my poor sister, um, well, all my siblings, their kids go through these these actual live shooter training in school and they talk about the anxiety that they have and the depression uh, growing up there, knowing that your friend could kill you. The, the enemy could be in the room. I mean, that's just, um, yeah. So I so I do feel my way of dealing with the guilt is to write about it, to have a voice, to, okay. to say, this is wrong. The people should not have to live like this. Bridget and it's, children.
3: It's been mm-hmm. a fascinating chat. Oh Welcome. Oh, Welcome you. to your new thank home. Thank you. Welcome.
15: I love it. <laughs> thank you so much.
3: Thank you so much for speaking to me today. Bridget McGinty, if you spot her her food truck, it's called
2: Taste Buds. What? a story.
7: Join the conversation.
2: This is the Opinion Line.
7: With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Fox 96 FM. The Cork Diary.
2: On Cork's 96FM.
16: The Big Splash for Aware takes place on Saturday the 23rd of September. Join people all over Cork and take a dip at your favourite swim spot to support mental health. Register today at aware.ie forward slash splash and receive your exclusive swimming hat to proudly demonstrate your support on the day. Please remember to swim safely. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to Diary at 96 FM
8: Get started today at plushcare.com slash loss That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash loss
3: I love it when a conversation on the opinion line stretches out over a couple of days and develops over a couple of days. I was chatting earlier in the week with John Dolan from The Echo. John is a father of three teenage boys, and he wrote a column about extending the vote to sixteen year olds. And that's a big talking point at the moment. There are a lot of people who want the vote extended to sixteen year olds. John's position as a dad of three teenage boys was no, they're not ready. It's it's not something that should be for them. That's his view. And then yesterday I was talking to a chap from the Labour Party, what's his name? Was Jim was it Jim or Joe from the Labour Party? And he said, No, actually extend it to them. Let them have a go. Let them get involved. They are more politically aware and more politically oriented oriented than we give them credit for. And I remember my own youth when I'm old old enough to remember when they changed voting from 21 down to 18. I couldn't wait to vote. Hilary, morning to you.
0: Hi, PJ. How are you?
3: Great all together. What do you think?
0: You know, the first thing that popped into my head, actually, when I was thinking about it was the fact that, um, I don't know if you remember when we voted about the president's age, um, and that the president, they tried to change the president's that you, at the moment, you have to be over 35 to be the president. That's right. And uh, we voted to see, okay, would we be okay with someone like anyone age 21 or upwards? Um, that could was defeated, the president. wasn't it? I voted to say that you had to be over 35. And over time, I have actually felt like I made the wrong decision on it. Right. Um, because if you think about it, the best person to be president is the best person to be president, whether they're under 35 or over 35. I mean, imagine you had somebody that was like 30 and you have someone who's 36 and the person who's 30 is just better suited. Um, yeah. Who am I to say that they were too young for the job? And I, it's kind of like a dictator <laughs> kind of thing that like actually you can't even run because... This is my opinion, you know? Mm. Um, so over time, because my mind changed on that, I think now that the issue of lowering the voting age um, to 16, mm. I would now maybe have that type of outlook on it of, like, if you look at what 13-year-olds can do in Ireland, um, legally, you can leave school, like permanently leave school. You can have a full-time job.
3: At 16,
0: yeah. Um, you can drive can you drive it 16 so apparently okay. <laughs> i googled it but yeah maybe we need need to confirm it maybe but yeah okay. um
3: yeah and the, i sh- i think with said regard it, to the yeah. voting age i think where they want to try it out and you've been talking about it, where they want to try it out is at a presidential election which is late 2025 on schedule
0: yeah which kind of brings my two points together weirdly yeah, yeah. um And I do like if we're saying that, like just in terms of the law of the legality of things that you're allowed to leave school, you're allowed to have a full time job um, to say that you then can't vote, though, does seem odd because that's just a right that's afforded to you, you know, as a person in the country that has a right to say, you know, the, the goings on of the country and make certain decisions that affect your life directly um, the other thing would be that, like, there are already 16 year old activists out there. yeah. And even if we go lower from activists, just maybe politically engaged people um, of that age. So it's not that you're pushing politics on people that age. There are some people who just love politics. And even at the age of 16, they could be nerding out on elections and politics and the different parties. And they could be super they could be more educated than someone age 20. Someone yeah. aged 20, then a different personality could be completely disengaged, have absolutely no knowledge, no interest. Yeah. Um,
3: and any of you know, them are studying history in school every day, every week. And you tie a political interest in with that. You might have a real political mind at 16 or 17.
0: Yeah, you really could. And like about maturity as well, I think, you know, people can be very immature in their 20s as well. (laughs) So where do you cut that off? Uh,
3: (laughs) Hilary, my 20s are in the dim and distant past and I'm very immature.
0: (laughs) Oh, I feel I'm getting more immature. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, you know
3: what they say, you know what they say, don't you? Growing older is mandatory. Growing up is a choice.
0: I know. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. So
3: you're all but for it you know, then. Give them the vote at 16. I'm
0: for it. I'm going to, you know, it's I'm trying to make up for, I think, the wrong that I did um, in making it that under 35 year olds can't run for president in this country. OK. Um, And I'm going to, you know, enable 16 year olds to do what they want to do. And they're already politically engaged, some of them. So they deserve to be part of the process.
3: All right. Hillary, thanks for that. So Hillary's a yes. John? Yes, good morning. How are you? Good morning to you. Voting for sixteen-year-olds.
5: I would be totally in the same camp as John Dolan, right? Mm.
2: Um,
5: think back to yourself when you were sixteen. Oh, I know if I was chatting to my sixteen-year-old self. No, I'm not the same person today, right? No, no way. I mean, all most guys think when they're sixteen, they're playing sports and chasing girls. That's all. Girls are into makeup, going over their friends and chasing boys. So let's be honest. And like today, a sixteen-year-old that might be considered themselves very liberal, could be the ultimate conservative when they're 42 with two kids. That's,
3: that's absolutely correct, John. You're 100% right. But at the same time, they are engaged. They're more, I think, I think, they're more engaged with the world at 16 and 17 than I was for sure.
5: Yeah, but you say, what world are they engaging with? Is it the online world, you know what I mean? Is it the, you know, the TikTok and um, all the stuff, you know what I mean? That's
3: just where they get their information.
5: Yeah, but you see this again, what information are they picking up there, you know what I mean? It's there. I've seen it there because when I was canvassing there for different referendums, I'd seen teenagers coming out to the doors, almost bullying their grandparents and parents and saying, telling the people canvassing what way the wars is going to go. And I was looking at these and I said, you really shouldn't be saying this because the people that you're almost bullying at the door, your grandparents and parents, they have lived a life. You haven't yet. I know, but
3: they're entitled to a view. I mean, they're growing up in the world, John, and they are looking upon it and saying, the world I'm growing up in has so many things wrong with it, and they look to you and they look to me and they look to others and they say, you've left yeah, us you, a mess.
5: You can't, you can't beat life experience. I don't want a 16-year-old I mean making a decision for me at my age now and different types but of But they reference. don't
3: want you making decisions for them because they say you don't understand their world. That's just.
5: Yeah, but you know. their world is their world, but it, it's how it affects and impinges on my world, I would be worried about. Right? That's, that's what I would be worried about mm-hmm. going forward. And unfortunately, young people are manip- manipulated by. I'm even going to mention the parties no, But Don't please. Know yeah. About, yeah, you know? They really are like men, and they only want them when they're young. It's like the American. I've I seen a drill sergeant once in a documentary, and he said about the men, we'd like to get them young, he said, before the world gets to them, to where we can mold them into a killing machine. See what I
3: mean? I do. I remember that quote, actually. I've seen, so, I, I've seen things written about that. John, thank you. So John says, John says no. Hillary says, Yes, uh, Mark, now the idea would be, and I'm just going back on stuff I read at the time, the idea would be that would first of all, it would take a referendum to do it, okay uh, You can't just allow 16 year- olds to vote without a referendum. so we have to see whether would that, would that pass or not. But then if we did let them vote, it would start with a presidential election. That would be their first outing. The earliest you could do that would be, uh, I think around November, late anyway, late 2025. That's when the next one is scheduled. Is late 2025. Mark, good morning. Would you let 16-year-olds vote in the presidential election in 2025?
10: I'd I see no problem with them voting in the presidential election. But my, my problem, PJ, is we should have a vote to see do we need a president... At all, because you're on about the president making decisions for us. I don't think our president makes any decisions.
3: No, he doesn't. But he, so what, he's what, the, but he's but the his He must constitutionally PJ. approve the work of the government. That's his position.
10: There's a lot, lot of things that we're not doing constitutional in this country, PJ. Like... Like most of the law in the district court isn't in the constitution. Like right?
3: Well, so it's all been it's all been passed by the president and signed the, into the, law, according to the constitution.
10: There was there was a second book of the constitution, or the yellow copy and a blue copy, TJ.
3: Okay, en- enlighten me here uh, now, because the only one I ha- the only constitution the blue, the blue, I have is, is blue.
10: The blue copy is a rewritten copy of the yellow one. Oh, you talking about
3: 1919? Correct.
10: Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically, claim from the crown the second book we didn't agree to it.
3: Right, so you're talking about the 1919
10: one, yeah,
3: Billy Maguire's one, the IRB one. Oh, huh? yeah, you still so, like, live. You do you still but, live by that one, Mark?
10: No, but PJ, like we have to make a choice, which one are we going to live by? Like, like as I said, we're paying. Well, I think that, I think tax- that choice was made a long but,
3: time ago, wasn't it?
10: Well, we're paying through taxpayers' money for a president that does nothing for us. Like,
3: hmm, there's kind of so, two things they- there that enters kind of everything. So, do you think that like?
10: The like, I see no issue with a 16 year old doing nothing or, or a 70 year old doing nothing. It's probably get no benefit from either one. Like.
3: Yeah. So, should we have no president?
10: No president, PJ. No president. like. And, so, who like,
3: would be our head of
10: state? Like, who would be our head of state? voting system region, normally the possible more four twins On the last general election, Sinn Féin had more thoughts but they didn't
3: get more well, like, well no 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 let's, let's we'll stay with the, we'll stay, with the, stay, with the trash, stay with the yeah. president. let me try and catch one ball at a time here stay with the president like if we don't have a president who signs stuff into law
10: uh, anybody can sign the PJ because it's on your desk and it comes from the office. But how so do we it,
3: select that person? Oh, how do we select
10: that You just have to agree with the you have to agree with the people that put the letter on your page on your desk. So if you, you, abolish the, you abolish the abolish the office of president, a law you abolish law that comes from the Oirectus.
3: Yeah, you want to abolish the office of president?
10: I abolish him so that the decisions are made for him. He's outminding his the dogs.
3: Right. That's a little bit personal, but you mean any but, any president but, uh, uh, at all? Am I,
10: am I, Am I telling
3: any lies, DJ? I'd rather focus on the office than the person. Because would you
10: rather me question, DJ? Am I telling any
3: lies? I would rather focus on the office than the person. That's my response to that question.
10: Okay, well, you you me, what good is he to work see? What use is he only from signing papers? Any fella could do that.
3: Yeah, there's an interesting statistic, though, Mark, and it's this, that, you know, he can't run for a third term. Um, in the se- When he ran for the second term... Most people, most commentators feared he was unbeatable. I'd be so bold but as to say, if, hang on, if he could run for a third one, he'd be unbeatable again. But that's just me.
10: Well, look at the competition he had, DJ. Something left from the television
3: programme I can say it again. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, You're right there. You're, you're, you're right there. But, but you, you want to speech, you yeah. want to abolish the office completely.
10: Oh, well, I'll get rid of it completely, yeah. So uh, there, 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 me, Hall, and Dubai is doing a grand job of writing up the last parliament, sending them from, to sign a bit of paper, and then. Well, What's he's the got
3: a bit more, hold on, he's here. got a bit more power than us. He's
10: got,
3: yeah. But, but, okay, you're, okay, so you want to abolish the, the office of president. Okay, that's your, people have, and people have that view, I, I've heard it before. But you want mandatory voting.
10: Yeah, if you don't vote, you should go up to the prison for a day or something. For yourself, like, just like people died for their vote, PJ. Right. That's what a country's built on. Okay. And we, we we don't follow it through, So, like,
3: so you don't but, want it? You don't want a president, but you want mandatory voting.
10: Yeah.
3: Okay. So mandatory voting for the dial, I take it. Mandatory voting for the council. Mandatory voting for Europe.
10: Mandatory voting across the board, PJ.
3: Yeah. I know they have it in Australia.
10: Um, you know what? That's I mean? the point. having is if you don't have to turn up, it was optional. Well, no well now,
3: now, well, now we're on the same page here, Mark, um, because I do believe I, I'm following politics all my life, and, and and I'm a bit of a political geek. And people always say, "Well, polit- elections don't change anything because so many people don't turn up and don't vote." And and I'm here well, after. Well, I'm, I'm here well, after well, every election. People complaining about the people, outcome.
10: People, people that used to turn up. And when they see that the votes the vote in a certain type of party and by somehow or some way they've the fire and the and managed to get it in their favor anyway well
3: that's a simple that that's it that's a simple question of of mathematics that the the, the 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 combination of parties that can between them get the required number of votes for a t-shirt like, that's how it happens
10: how can uncle t c b become the six count and end up being if
3: we that's, that's our vote, that's our voting system which I happen to think is but the most fair in the world.
10: It's not the fairest in the world, it's, set, it's rigged up so the same people are in power all the same, DJ. And it's, it's like, it's like they pass the buck around them, you will have it just to totally no, you. Why don't you stand yourself, Mark? Would you, would you stand yourself? Well, like, look at the green past, DJ. But no, no, on, well, no, like, if no. If would you stand the yourself? Confusion. The man is fast asleep on the dial for most Mark,
3: Mark, Mark, would you stand yourself?
10: So i I'd stand, but should BJ, if I get all the votes in the country, shall I probably be still on the opposite side?
3: Right.
10: You know, I can't get the, the majority numbers to come with me, like. Right. Same with Sinn having difficulty, or, or people before profit, or, you know, they'll never get the majority because they don't have the numbers. Yeah. It's that's impossible, because, well, it's that's, impossible that's for the opposition to win, but, win, win but, the but vote. Who gives, them, who,
3: who gives them the numbers? There Mark, there's a whole lot of ground to cover there I'd love to stay talking to you Because I think you're Throwing so many balls at me here It's like playing tennis with Bjorn Borg Or John McEnroe together But listen, I've enjoyed that Definitely enjoyed that. Any thoughts on what Mark is saying? 818 96 96 96. Up next this week's episode of Ours to Protect. Looks at birthday parties.
7: Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie.
2: 96 fm Hours to Protect brought to you by Corks 96 FM the
3: IBI and funded by Commission Noman with the television license fee check out hours to
6: protect.ie for more info
9: This week on Ours to Protect we we'll learn how to deliver the best party for our children with practically zero waste Joyful moments are meant to be celebrated, especially when it involves your children. Be it birthdays, holidays or get-togethers, children's parties are filled with loads of food and drink, decorations, activities and games. What this usually means is a lot of waste at the end of the celebration. Leftover food, used plastic cutlery and plates, paper napkins, one-time-use decorations, punctured balloons and lots more. The good news is you can reduce these wastes to a bare minimum and still throw an incredible party for your child. Throwing in almost zero waste kids' party is quite possible. Owner of Jiminy Eco Toys, Sharon Kilty explains.
14: So your party can still be just as fun, just as rainbow-tastic, um, but sustainable. So there's four things really that are the main opportunities in parties. So the first is the tableware. The second is the party bags, like the take-home bags. The third is the gifts that your child receives. And the fourth is the food. So on the tableware, if you use disposable tableware, you're looking at a big black bag of waste from every party. So think about ways that you can reuse things instead of buying disposables. So some people will just get the kids to bring their school water bottles along and they'll squirt some my or whatever into them. People will borrow Tupperware from neighbours
9: or friends. Sharon is also part of the Party Kit network. They connect party organizers with their local kit making a zero waste initiative practical, economical and joyful.
14: partykitnetwork.org and you can look for a local party kit. I keep one at home. It has 30 cups, plates, spoons, a uh, tablecloth, a reusable garland, some, you know, battery powered decorations. And people come and take it from my home, use it for the party, run it through the dishwasher and bring it back. So that's on the tableware. That way you can produce no waste at all on the tableware.
9: When it comes to throwing a party for your child, party goodie bags are usually expected come the end of the celebration. Unfortunately, many of these party favours include small plastic toys. They break easily and will probably be chucked in the bin soon afterwards. They also usually come in small plastic bags, which once again will go in the bin. There are approximately six hundred and seventy thousand four to 8-year-olds in Ireland. If each one receives five bags this year, that equates to 3,350,000. Plastic party bags are made of single-use plastics, and we cannot recycle them as they don't biodegrade like paper, cloth or wood. This means the few minutes of joy they bring ends up affecting our environment for centuries. You
14: know, any parents who are listening have seen... You know the flimsy plastic bag full of cheap plastic toys that are all broken within 10 minutes and it just gives you anxiety <laughs> seeing it come home so you know be the parent who's brave enough to break the <laughs> break the trend and send something away with the kids that the parents will be happy to see coming and the kids be happy with so people get really lovely creative ideas for this so they'll send home like a little pouch of sunflower seeds for the kids to plant or like a homemade salt dough decoration or a homemade cupcake or sometimes they'll make the take-home part of the activities at the party, like, you know, get a load of little pots. We have kids with them in our store, but a load of little pots and seeds. And so the planting of the seeds is part of the, you know, a craft at the party, and then the kids take them home. Or try and get, like, paper bags and some, you know, paper um, toys, like we have paper Frisbees and boomerangs and stuff like that, um, or just even some sweets um, and keep it simple. Or just don't do them. You know, be brave enough just not to do them. My daughter was invited to a party where they said, could you, um, you know, could you just donate to this charity instead and we won't be giving party bags? And they managed our expectations and that was fine and everyone was happy enough. Um, Or one other idea for the take-home bags is people just buy books or even give away like books that they've used at home that they're no longer reading, which I think is a lovely idea.
9: Birthday parties will always take place so if we teach our children at a young age to be conscious of their footprint on this planet, it's probably the best long-term birthday gift we could give them To learn more about sustainable birthday parties visit Jiminy.ie or check the show notes of this episode
3: Hours to Protect brought to you by Cork's 96FM the IBI and funded by Commission Naman with the television licence fee.
2: Check out Hours to Protect.ie for more info
7: Join the conversation
2: This is the Opinion line With
7: Hidden Hearing Focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Fox 96 FM <laughs> The minds
2: are live hello
7: Join the conversation Call 818 969696. Text or
2: WhatsApp 83 396 96 96.
7: Email opinion at 96fm.ie
2: This is The Opinion line with PJ Coogan Watch
3: 96fm among the podcasts we will put up this afternoon Is my conversation with Bridget from Cleveland, Ohio Who now runs uh, Taste Buds It's a food truck in Middleton And she told me the story of why she just felt she needed to get out of Cleveland, Ohio And it was gun culture And we had a fabulous conversation That will go up on the podcast very shortly after the show today I'm from Akron, Ohio I've lived in Cork 25 years I really feel for her, says that message. Jerry says what a delightful lady Bridget is. Wonderful story. uh, And must try her food very soon. Cops going into schools training little kids how to stay away from flying bullets. I'd have my kids on the first plane out of there. Different if I didn't have kids I might stay, but no way would I have my kids in that thought process. Oh eight, one eight, ninety six, ninety six, ninety six, and then with regard to voting. Um, Mark through the whole conversation to the four winds uh, before 11 o'clock there where, I'll come back to this Justin and Frank wants to get into it as well so there's this began on the programme earlier in the week when I was chatting with John Dolan on extending the vote to 16 year olds that's available on our long list of podcasts as well from the week John Dolan of the echo who is the father of three teenage boys and he reckons no they're just not ready to vote we threw it open to the floor there's a to and from hillary was on before 11 she said you know why not why not give them a go it's working in scotland and john is opposed to it because he believes look they're not ready they don't know enough about the world I don't know where I am I've raised a couple of kids and I, I know that when I was a teenager in my late teens certainly in my late teens anyway I couldn't wait to vote and I had an interest in politics and the history of politics and how politics works in this country I had an interest from maybe 15 16 years of age And um, would I have made a useful voter I don't know would I have had liked to vote at 16 I probably would so it's an open debate and there's many many different sides to it Mark, Mark i come back to Mark 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 actually has been one of the calls of the day, um, people responding to him. But Justin, you wanted to talk about this. Morning.
6: Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. We missed What's you on your holidays. Ah, it
3: was th- good. Thank you so much, mate. What, what, what would you like to say?
6: Um, honestly, this is a situation that's come up in the States before we move to, um, the, after the uh, Biden and 2020 election, where they were trying to open the vote to kids as young as 16. Mm party doing it was a democratic party and at the time there was a lot of stuff on social media about oh you want to vote this way and it was stirring stuff up in the schools where schools were having walkouts over this issue or that issue or the me too movement or the george floyd riots and what we saw with our politicians or they started targeting the 16 year olds trying to put this debate out there to get them to vote so they could sway the young minds now, a 16, or some are some are mature than others, mm-hmm. and some of them understand the concepts. Mm-hmm. But they would be better served taking a civics class on how the government is supposed to run, and, and understand uh, how they can fix government issues mm-hmm. with their votes, rather than let's just get them to vote and they vote along party lines. Now, I know it's a little different here in Ireland with politics because I'm still learning it.
3: Well, it's kind of of the same really, Justin, in that you have a vote, you have an opportunity to use it, and you can use it in whatever way you choose. You can vote for whomever whomever is on the ballot paper.
6: Absolutely. But here the parties aren't at each other's throats like they are back in the States.
3: Oh, you're not here long enough to know that. (laughs) Just just wait till there's an election called. It's fun.
6: I've met quite a few ministers from different parties, and they all seem fairly genuine, look after their people. I think the independent uh, TV Michael Collins is the best. I see him talking to his uh, constituents every Saturday morning in West Cork, and yeah, he's he's
3: really popular down that neck of the woods, Justin. Yeah, well, he?
6: he's the only one who makes himself available that I've mm-hmm. seen. So, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, do you think the 16 extending to the 16 year olds is a way to manipulate the vote? You think
6: that's that's exactly what I think because all of a sudden you'll start seeing all these TikTok influencers talking about the one candidate. It's just like the super PACs that lobby in Washington, mm. you know, and they sway the, the voter population. It, it, we know it happens to adults.
3: Yeah. What's the voting age in the These states? Is it federally 18? 18. 18. I, I remember when I was 21 here and it was changed to 18. And I remember being a fairly, I was interested in current affairs politics when I was 16, 17. I couldn't wait to vote.
6: Do you know? For us, ours is tied to the selective service. Uh, registration and also being able to serve in the military if you're old enough to die for your country you're old enough to vote for your country mm. and so that's kind of I how it's you. tied in
3: I got you I got you I got you yeah, yeah they, they, they do it in Scotland uh, they have 16 in Scotland the idea would be that initially it would come in we'd have to have a referendum to do it anyway
6: well it'd be interesting to see the data sets and see if anything was swayed or manipulated in that way if not then it's a great plan yeah But with the rise of social media, it really makes it hard to know that you're getting a fair thing. And it's not just getting a bunch of kids riled up by their favorite influencer on YouTube or TikTok and just go into town.
3: That's both a fair point and a little unfair in that it kind of suggests, Justin, and I'm only putting it out to you. It kind of suggests that your average 16 year old is a bit stupid and totally driven by social media.
6: No, no, not at all. Nope. I'm not saying they're stupid, but what I am saying is, when it comes to peer pressure, if okay. their friends are saying one way, it's similar likes, you know. So if their friends are are acting one way and they're part of the group, I they're you. more liable to be a part of the group. Doesn't mean they're stupid or any less educated. Okay, or un- I, sorry, maybe, maybe the they, wrong
3: word to use. They, they think a little less independently.
6: Yes, I have or or a little there's a little less critical thinking if the group mindset is there can in be a, yeah,
3: there can be groupthink. think. Yeah, yes. I've got you. I've got you. It was a bit like last week. I was talking about cashless and the cashless society, and the opinion I heard expressed on my holidays was cash was for old people, and I thought, right, that's where that started. There was something on top of sixteen, seventeen-year-olds, seventeen-year-olds anywhere trying to get a driving test. It's a total mess in West Cork. Have you someone trying to get one?
6: Yeah, so I'll tell you, I'm trying to get one. Right, okay, because we don't. Ireland doesn't have reciprocity with America. They do with Canada. We drive exactly the same way in Canada as we do in the states. And I've had a year to drive on my American license here. And now I've had to switch the Irish license, which is fair. But after driving for 34 years and I passed the theory test and I have my learner's permit, I'm doing the courses like everybody else. I can't book a test for eight months, but they want to talk about giving kids the vote. I mean, seriously, this isn't a hard thing. Prometric either needs to be fired for not doing their job or each independent county should be running their own driving exams and adhering to government regulation regarding it.
3: Come back to what you told me. So you, you're military, ex-military, you've driven for 35 and law enforcement. years. And law enforcement. Yeah. Right, yeah. Which
6: means you probably you probably drove a cop car, did you? I drove a cop car. I've been through every kind of tactical police uh, driving that you can go through. I've been through military training courses. I've driven an M1 Abrams Stinks. And I can't get a driver's license here. I can't even book the test.
3: That's insane, Justin.
6: Yeah. And I can only imagine with the kids that are, like, so excited to get to their point, and they put in the work to go through all the courses. But here I am, an adult, that I am now at the mercy of the system of this company in England that's contracted to run these tests.
3: And you can't even drive unaccompanied now.
6: Yeah, so I brought that up to the Prometric uh, gentleman, and he says, well, no, you do have a full license from the United States, but that was meant towards younger drivers. You've been driving 37 years. It's an Irish solution to an Irish problem. So hold on. That's what he right? said.
3: Okay, so if you carry your American driving license and With your that, Irish learner's permit, you'll be okay.
6: That's what was stated to me. Luckily, here in West Cork, I don't really have to go very far. Yeah. Like our, we can walk into town when we need to, and so we've been doing mostly that um, until we get this resolved. But I'm ready to take my driving test now, and I can't get it either. Okay,
3: that's crazy, Justin. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. That's that's bonkers. That is daft. He's driven cop cars. He's a, tactic, a trained tactical military driver. Thirty seven years driving. He's got a learner's permit. He's done his theory test. He's still got a, 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 an American driver's license, but he can't get an Irish driving test. That's just insane. Uh, Frank, on the votes for sixteen-year-olds: yes or no? Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. So we're going to argue now. Are they, uh, are, 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 but the looks of my notes on the screen, you're going to get me into trouble. Go on. No.
11: Yeah. Give it to the sixteen-year-olds and right. take it. Take it off the over seventies. Why, Frank? The sixteen-year-olds are voting for their future. Hmm. Are the over seventies?
3: Do you remember the time they tried to take the medical cards off them? <laughs> exactly. I have, I have I never knew. been at a bigger protest in my I have never been. And, and do you know why it got reversed, Frank? The grey vote. It's very simple. And I won't say the event that I've attended, but there's an event I occasionally attend that will be very well attended by, by senior people, shall we say. And you would want to see the number of councillors and politicians that are there. <laughs> and yet, you should put a sign on the wall... <laughs> Do you know the sign you see in the zoo all these animals bite?
17: Right?
3: <laughs> you should put a sign on the wall that says all these people vote. They, yeah. The over 70s vote.
11: They've more it, influence. But you want to take that vote off them? The over 70s vote is what's keeping the government over the last 100 years in power. Okay. Um, because, and it's the exact same thing as bringing back a load of three-seater constituencies hits out at the smaller party.
3: I was surprised at that, actually. I thought they'd have... No, I didn't... I, th- I, th- I don't think they were allowed to put in six-seaters. I, they the shouldn't have put... No, by constitution, you
11: can't have a six-seater.
3: Yeah. Well, that, yeah, yeah. And you've got a lot of three-seaters now, and three-seaters, well, as well. we all know, three-seaters... Very little change happens in three-seaters. But take it off. Thank you, Frank. Take it off the over-70s, the vote. <laughs> And give that vote to the to the, to the, to the over-sixteens. Not my idea. Just in case there's a load of 70-plus-year-olds waiting on Patrick's Hill when I go down to collect my little car at one o'clock to give out to me. That's not my idea. That's Frank's idea. 0818 96 96 96. Mark wanted to abolish the office of president and let the Doyle and the Shannon, I presume, do everything. And then he wanted compulsory voting. Um, And I'd certainly vote for Mark. That's what we need, people with passion for our country. I asked Mark, would he be of a mind to stand himself? And he said, well, why would I? I'd always be in opposition. But if enough marks stood and enough marks got voted for, you wouldn't be. Oh wait, and that's the beauty of democracy. And that's the beauty of the single transferable vote, Mark. You know, you might get in on the 11th or 12th count in a five-seater. You're a TD. You're as valid as a TD as the fellow who got in first.
7: Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing. Changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM.
16: The Cork Diary on Cork's 96FM. The Teddy Daily Memorial in aid of pancreatic cancer research will take place on Sunday the 17th of September. A virtual event people are encouraged to get involved by walking, running, cycling or your activity of choice and help raise vital funds for breakthrough cancer research. To donate and to register, go to breakthroughcancer.ie. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to Cork Diary at 96FM.ie.
3: Don't let me forget before 12 I said this at 9 o'clock that is One of the most popular sweeties Of all time Chocolate bars of all time Appeared for the first time this very day 1st of September 1932 Even reading the name I want one That's, that's, that's how popular these things are I'll tell you before 12 Frank, Frank, Frank Frank, Frank's idea with regard to the vote For the the 16 year olds Is give them the vote And take it from the over-70s, because he says, now, Frank's tongue is probably in his cheek, but he says, the over-70s have lived their lives. They've no future to plan for. The 16-year-olds are planning for their future. Let them vote for it. Um, Barry wants to know, was Frank on a half day when we were taught respect in the Man? These are the people who built the country. Michael. Hi, PJ. Your thoughts, sir?
18: Well, Take, taking it off the under-16s and give it to the... taking it off the over-70s and give it on the under The under-16s mightn't give a penny to the state until they're around 25 years of age for the amount of time they spent in college now. Right. I'm 74, going on 75. I walk full-time for 56 years. Right. I started walking when I left school at 14, which was the case at that time. Uh-huh. During, during the under-16s wouldn't give anything to the state until they're... No, The under-16s, I I've know, maybe until that 25.
3: Well, you can work full-time at the age of 16.
18: I, I know that, but how many... At the moment, you can't even get people to work. Uh. The, like Like, what demand is for people in restaurants and shops and this and that at the moment, looking for workers every day of the week and can't get them.
3: True, true,
18: true, true. And, like, I know 16-year-olds. I have nephews myself. Some of them are walking, but more of them don't want work. Mm, mm. Vote. Do, you I can, think,
3: I can it? do you think if you gave them the vote, they'd vote?
18: Well, the vote, I, I don't know. And, like, number one, we shouldn't have any more bloody TDs than what we have. Because yeah. they're screwing the state as it is.
3: Well, that's the Constitution, you see, Michael.
18: I know that, but like, who makes the Constitution? The politicians? They'll have a referendum, Then, if they don't agree with the referendum, they'll have a second one, which they did for the last <laughs> <laughs> <master's> treaty <laughs> and this <laughs> and that. Huh? Oh, yeah. Un, until, they, until you back them, like... <laughs> you, you greet great men with them when they come to the door until you hire me. But after that, you don't see any more.
3: Until the next, you know what I've been saying, and, and I'm into politics uh, as all my life. But I always say this, and I've, I've, I've said this: anybody who believes anything they're told on the doorstep during an election probably shouldn't be allowed to vote anyway. But, but that's 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 just me, Michael. Thank you. Oh, terrible idea, Frank. Um, and work. For Good man, Michael. Thank you. There now to someone who would be on side of it. Atacan. Good morning, PJ. Hey, fella, you're studying politics, aren't you?
19: Uh, I I graduated with an undergraduate degree in government and politics, and now I'm just about to finish my masters in international relations. Good man yourself.
3: So you'd be in favour of the vote for the under or the over sixteens?
19: Oh, absolutely. Um, Like, I look at Scotland now as a great example. They brought it in for the 2014 uh, independence referendum and a lot of young people voted in it and obviously they voted in favour of independence. Mm. And a lot of them engaged in the debate and I think then it drew kind of comparisons. Then if we look at Scotland compared to ourselves, we're not far, obviously, geographically, but Mm. also if you think about it, they've engaged more in politics there. And now I think if we did give 16-year-olds and over 16-year-olds the right to vote, they'd have, like... They'd engage in politics more. Um, I just think myself now. I remember I was a 16 year old myself, and I was in transition here. And there was an, a local MEP actually talked to us about the European Union and came into us. Look, I won't name that MEP now, but I knew more about the, the European Union than that MEP did. I was actually correcting that MEP, and I was 16 years old. Does does I, I would guarantee you no. But, you, but you yourself,
3: at again, you've yeah. shown by your educational choices. You went and you studied government and politics. Now doing international relations. I would suggest that you have been interested in politics since you were a very small boy. You you wouldn't be um, the you wouldn't be the rule.
19: Yeah, but at the same time, I would actually say it was probably from about 15 or 16 I got into it because, like, I remember the 2016 general election. I'd stay up late at night watching yeah. the election debates I, I at the I time I. of the election, and like, I wasn't really interested in politics. I was actually interested in the area of accountancy. But then I seen then as a 16-year-old, as I grow, politics affects more people my age, and I have to engage more. So. I, I also acknowledge, though, that bringing in the vote for over 16 year olds isn't the magic kind of tool. We also kind of need to bring in more political education and political awareness mm. at a younger age, especially in secondary schools. Like I know there's a subject now for leaving sorts like politics, but I think there's needs to be much more of a debate, much more of a political education in schools to give younger people that. Kind of knowledge of what's going on in our yeah. country, yeah. in our country. Sorry. Do, do, so, do you
3: think government and politics? and That's an interesting question, at because I hear it. Government and politics—you can now do a degree on it in colleges. You've done, but do you think that government and government and politics should be a leaving cert subject?
19: Um At the moment, now it's a. There is a leaving cert option subject that called politics. I think I was about a year beyond that, which I could do, so I couldn't do it. But I think, in my opinion. You know, the way in past years now we've gotten rid of, you know, like there was talk of getting rid of mandatory history for junior, sir. Mm. I think in that in itself was a disgrace. And also history itself is actually not mandatory for leaving, sir. So I think in my opinion, history and also, as you said, government and politics, I think there should be both mandatory because politics, whatever avenue or whatever industry that you work in, politics in some way is going to affect you. If you're working the economic sector, it's going to affect you. If you're working in the retail sector, it's going to affect you. If you're working in the public service, private service, any area, it's going to affect you. So I think of utmost importance, politics is of education. We we look at maths now. Maths is very important. We look at English. English is very important. But politics, I would say, equally is even, I would say, even to a larger extent, more important than that.
3: An understanding of how politics works. At again, fantastic contribution. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I have more to come. Do I? Uh, if Frank had his way, Derek Bly would be voted in. Says Mags. I saw him supporting him online the other day. Uh, I don't even like mentioning that particular name. On the radio, Megs. But but there you go. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Car. Hi, yeah. Car. Hello. Hi. You were listening to Frank. He said, "Take the boat off the over seventies and give it to the over 16s.
17: Yeah. Um, my opinion on that basically is, I've been on to you before, but it was on a later note about the Northside. Oh, of, I recognise the or, voice now, yeah. I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My point is, um, my dad is 84, a fine man. He wouldn't give up his vote for anybody. Yeah. And my point is, the over seventies like he said, they, like what are they voting for? They're voting for their children and their grandchildren to come. Mm. You know? Yeah. And like I might be a little, a little political I told you Tony Gould's my cousin, so I might I might run myself for president. <laughs> well,
3: there you go. Are you over thirty
17: five? Oh, uh, yes.
3: Well you can then.
17: <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's just certainly sixteen year olds, right? Who I kids growing up, I don't think first of all, a lot don't have the interest in it. Yeah. You know? And I think over seventies or older people, like they're passionate about it. They want things to change because even it's Different days when they call to, the TDs, the will give you anything, they would help you out do that. Mm. Um, I don't think 16 was really. I think the more they'll be worried about education and, this and that, but the everyday things, I don't know. Mm. I think the over-70s, they're a fountain of knowledge.
3: Well, I, th- so, I think, th- in fairness, Frank is kind of half-joking when he suggests taking it off the over-70s. But right. would, you, would you extend it to the o- over-16s?
17: I'm sitting on the fence of this page, I have to
3: be honest with you. Um, <laughs> a, now, th- now, that's a political answer, Kat.
17: Well, yeah, I'm going to say, now know what your wife would say, each to their own.
3: <laughs> Go on, you got me on that one. Thank you. Thanks, Kat. Oh, 0818969696. Br- Megan says the majority of young people are only interested in voting for things that interest them gay marriage, the Eighth Amendment. Very few young people are going to vote at the presidential election. And that comes from a 27-year-old who was in that position themselves. Thanks, Megan. Well, no, that's the the idea. As I, the more I read into it now, I remember it. First of all, they wanted to give them the vote and start them off at a presidential election on the basis that we only have one every seven years, if we have one at all, and they can't do a whole pile of harm voting in a presidential election. But that would be the first outing they would get, but you'd have to have a referendum to give them that vote. You couldn't just decide 16-year-olds can vote. That's been one of the most engaging topics of conversation for the week, hasn't it? Um, I will tell you what it is. On the 1st of September, 1932, this very day, 1932, the very first Mars bar appeared on the shelves. Just thought you'd like to know that. You want one now, don't you? The very, I want one. The very first Mars bar appeared on the shelf this day in 1932. Actually, Electric Picnic kicks off. The weather forecast for the weekend is really good. Um, well, as this summer has gone, there's been a, a, an improvement, there's an improvement on the cards for the weekend. It's completely and totally... Sold out. The camping opened yesterday afternoon, and there was early entry ticket. Campsites close at one o'clock Monday. Um, there are family campsites. It's huge. Like an electric picnic is enormous. It's all card this year. It's gone totally cashless. Bars, food traders, hundred food stalls, non-food trade, all cashless, all cashless, plenty of it, but all cashless. The, the lineups are fantastic as well. Uh, the, the main stage has Billie Eilish tonight. I'd like to see her herself, actually. 12, Billie Eilish. Niall Horan is on as well tonight. King Kong Company. Uh, Saturday, uh, the headliner is Fred again. Paolo Nottini, who was smashing uh, down at Musgrave Park this summer. Uh, Mimi Webb is there tomorrow. Kean Du Crow is there tomorrow. Wow. The Killers are on Sunday night. The script are on Sunday night. Gavin James, Rick Astley is on Sunday. Lyra come here, the more I see her the more I think, what a superstar we've got. It's fabulous. There's a spoken word comedy stage. Ross is appearing there over the weekend. It's enormous. It's just a huge thing. They've announced next year that it'll be moving back to earlier in August. I wonder whether that'll make a huge difference to it. And the tickets for next year go on sale on the 8th of September. Like, as in this day week tickets for next year if you're going enjoy be careful enjoy get home safely enjoy the weekend have fun and if there's anything you need to talk to us about over the weekend if you if you land yourself if you think there's something happens at electric picnic if you spot something or come across something or experience something or meet somebody that you think we'd be interested in You can contact us right across the weekend, opinion at 96fm.ie, or you can message us on Twitter, or you can, whatever, just get in touch with us, uh, opinion at 6fm.ie, if there's anything you want to talk about from Electric Picnic. We look forward to hearing your stories. You're lucky, lucky. Actually, my my daughter was going to go. She's been a couple of times. Uh, She was away last week at the Grand Prix in Amsterdam. It was their summer holidays, herself and her pals. But I said to her, "They're going to electric." This'll tell you now. I said to her, "They're going to electric picnic," and she said, "No, not going, Dad. No, not going this year. I'd love to see Fred again, but I'm not going." I said, "Fred, do you saw Fred before?" "No," said Fred again. I said, "Yeah, but I, yeah." (laughs) (laughs) Then she showed me their stuff, and I thought. They're damn good.
2: Join the conversation. This is the Opinion line
7: With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over thirty-five years. They're all ears. Visit HiddenHearing.ie. Fox 96
3: FM. You'll hear more about this as the day goes on, but just some story. Charlie Weston has broken it on the independent website in the last few minutes. Energia, one of the big suppliers of electricity has announced a cut of 20% in its unit price from October 1, up to 20%. If you run a smart meter with them, 20% from October 1, Energia are cutting their prices. That, Charlie is speculating, will lead ESBs, Electric Garden, Board Gash Energy and Electricity to follow. That'll be interesting to see if that does happen. But that's big news now from the energy market this morning, where Energia have announced a 20% cut in their unit price from October 1, especially if you're on a smart meter. That's good news. Premier League live back this weekend at 96fm.ie. Trevor and the team, uh, this Saturday again from midday, uh, powered up by Talk Sport. Three big ones for you. Sheffield United v Everton, that's 12.30. Chelsea against Nottingham Forest at three, and Brighton against Newcastle. At five thirty, and of course, all the news from all the grounds as it comes in. Premier League live online with Harvey Norman. Your home of the big screen. You're listening Saturday on the Corks ninety six FM app, or pop over to ninety six fm dot ie. Now, I was quite shocked to read this uh, down in Castle Freak, Long Strand, beautiful, beautiful part of the country, but they have no public toilets. As a result of which, they say people are knocking. On local people's doors to see can they use the jacks. That's enough in itself, but please, like Brida, Cooney, they're going into the, they're going in and hiding and they're doing their business inside the inside the dunes. Good morning.
4: Good morning, PJ. Thank you for highlighting this for us.
3: This is awful.
4: This is awful. Yes, Uh, we have a beautiful amenity here. We've worked very hard to set up. Ten kilometers of trails all around castle freak, lovely walkways by the sea by the lake through the forest beautiful
3: it's mm. I'm just thinking day. how much it, how, how lovely it must be on a day like today for example
4: it's amazing on a day like today, but even all year round we have people coming here because it's beautiful every time of the year you have it in the summer with all the leaves on the trees and then you have it in the winter uh, with all the leaves on the ground and it's it's spectacular. Mm.
3: But there are no toilets. Anywhere along that trail there are no toilets.
4: Well, now, there is a toilet block. Mm. uh, Toilets were erected there in the late 1960s. And uh, there were two toilets there, uh, male and female. And uh, they ran up until the 2000s, and then they were closed. Nice. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Why? And then Well, that's a good question. Lots of people have various uh, responses, but one of them is that uh, they were being vandalised. Right.
17: Um,
4: Now, I don't know exactly why. Somebody does, but I don't know why. Uh, So then what happened was, uh, there about, uh, I'd say about five or six years ago, one of the toilets was handed over to Ishka Uh So
14: Now,
4: they have some kind of a water treatment thing in there or something, I, I don't know exactly we can't find out, but anyway one of the toilets is closed there but the other one is there so as you say, it's true there, there aren't any toilets along all of our 10k of walks uh, which are of European standard mind, they're like excellent quality um, uh, facilities by Quilta and some landowners the uh, NPWS and the council Uh but we really need toilets to be yeah. open, to, to have a, a proper standard. So there is one toilet there, so it's not like we're actually looking for something major, even if they could open the one toilet, we'd be on our way somewhere.
3: Yeah, well you'd you think along a 10-kilometre trail, you'd at least have toilets at the beginning, the middle and the end of it.
4: Well, yeah, that would that'd, that'd be ideal, of yeah, course. That would be, be, that would be simple
3: logic. Rita, yeah, do you know? Mm-hmm. Simple. I mean, I'm I'm just back from from Manzirotti and the the main front beach there in Persil Carmen and Playa Grande, a big beach. There's toilets. There's toilets every two hundred yards.
4: Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, for, yeah. I I hear you, but for some reason we can't have them. And with uh, the Red Strand is Close enough, maybe about five k's, and we have only hinged the other way, yeah. Maybe about three k's, and they have uh, um, toilets, but uh, we don't.
3: Right, and and um, when you approach the council because of the fantastic work you've done f- with the walkway, and everything, when you approach the council to ask them, what do they say?
4: Well, uh, again, the the responses are varying, but one of them is that we don't have any money, um, but. They did actually send out tenders there about four years ago, I suppose, yeah. uh, and they, uh, for compostable toilets. But for some reason, uh, that was stopped. Nice. So they did think they had money at some point or another. But either way, saying that they don't have money isn't an excuse because... They, can, they don't need to have the money in their coffers. They can actually go and get a grant from Board Foylter or Leader, or CCAD yes. or West Cork Development. They can go and get it. But the thing is, we are a voluntary organisation. So we all have jobs to do. But the council people, they're actually employed to do this kind of thing. So we're looking for somebody to do the heavy lifting for us. Basically, mm. to get on to the likes of Board Foylter because there is no point in me getting on to them. It's actually somebody that from the council that needs to get
3: yeah, there. Yeah, and uh, like you said, Paul Ireland and other, there's There's money to be had,
4: there's You just money need to, to go had. to get it. Yes.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But we just need somebody that will go and get it for us. Have uh, you tried
3: your local TDs?
4: Well, uh, yes, uh, Michael Collins was helping us out there and uh, he, he he approached the council and he said the same thing. that That's what he was told, it wasn't any money. Uh, Paul Hayes is our local councillor and uh, he's been raising the issue within the council for the past number of years because we've been lobbying for this for lo- quite a long time and uh, he's just meeting with the brick walls they get mm. so far and then they get no further So Now the
3: idea that so, people are going in off the trail and, and going to the toilet in the dunes and all that beautiful area there, like that's awful, that's terrible and, and they're knocking on people's doors to see can they use their toilet
4: yeah, well, what do you do? Like, the, co- or the county council have maintained a car park there. So it's like this lovely, welcoming gesture. Uh, Come, walk our walks, park our car park. But if you get caught out, you are snookered. And it's, it's a bit like a slap in the face it's like come here but then we're not going to give you the full experience and we're not like that in West Cork we're very welcoming people and we mm-hmm. want like to have a really nice facility for people here but this crack of no toilets is, is just, it's just not on really yeah,
3: you, like, you wouldn't um, get to open a facility if you wanted to open a facility at, like a, an exhibition centre for argument's sake or something like that you wouldn't be allowed to open something without a toilet
4: Yeah, well, I I suppose the trails were already here, but they were fragmented. And then we turned them into loop trails, Mm -hmm. uh, our organisation, with the help of those people that I mentioned earlier. Fabulous work. Because, sorry? Fabulous work. Ah, great, yes. Now, we had a lot of help, but it was great work. And and we're totally delighted with the outcome. Mm. And we're, we're also delighted because you know yourself we're all trying to promote tourism and welcome people to areas and all the businesses from clon to skib and probably further afield enjoy the benefits of the walks in castle freak and and so they should it revitalizes our area because we need people coming here but how long can we expect people to come here when we don't have the basic human sanitation you know the dogs actually get treated better than the humans Somebody
3: picks up after them. Yes, <laughs> I was wondering what you were getting at for a second. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, no, no, Don't, I Stop. There are things that there are things I can't on see <laughs> at ten to twelve on a Friday. <laughs> but I, but I, will, I will leave it at that. Thank you very much. That's Brida Cooney, the chair of the Castle Freak Our Woods Our Walks group, C O W O W. I had a powwow with cow-wow on Friday, but no toilets around the Castle Freak trails, and they're asking the county council to for goodness' sake, get the finger out. There's money there, go looking for it, and put some toilets on the Long strand and, put some toilets on that trail. Thanks, Breda. I, I have to laugh when I see this, just before we wrap up. They're looking for the Loch Ness monster again. In fairness, lads. There's more likely to be a monster living in the lake at Gugan Barra than there is in Loch Ness. They've put submarines into the flipping thing. There's nothing living in Loch Ness. But anyway, we now have um, have a sighting, if you don't mind, a sighting of the Loch Ness monster has resulted in photos being called the most exciting ever by those on the hunt for the fabled creature. They apparently show a serpent-like animal with its body on the surface of the loch. They were taken in 2018, but the photographer kept them to herself for fear of public ridicule. (laughs) For fear of... (coughs) Sorry. For fear of public ridicule. Now, Now, however, there is an ongoing search for the famed water beast, the largest Loch Ness hunt in 50 years. Yeah. What's the bet that there are a couple of new businesses opening up there and that get I mean, am yeah, like it's like if you there's it's like a couple of things sticking up out of the water. You know, it could be rocks, it could be a bursted Lilo, it could be whatever. But they're looking again to see is there a is there a monster in Loch in, in Loch Ness? <laughs> Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right. Last bit of business today. Tomorrow is National Services Day, the second of September. It's a day when the public can come and meet the frontline workers, the workers from our emergency services, and look at what they have to do. Look at their equipment, look at the vehicles see demonstrations, get photographs. It's an exciting day and the weather forecast looks good as well. Gerald D is Community Engagement Manager with HSE Ambulance Service. ger
20: this is, a, this is a
3: big day for you tomorrow.
20: Yeah, a big day for you, we, we won't be in Rockmachin looking for any monsters, but we'll we'll be in Matton Point um, from 1 until, until 4 tomorrow. Um, so na- National Services Day was signed into the Irish calendar by the then Taoiseach, um, Lea Varadkar, uh, Ten years ago, their tenth anniversary, right. and I suppose traditionally it um, it would have taken place in Dublin, and there would have been a you know a, the usual usual parade through the streets of Dublin, and it would end up in Dublin Castle, and people would come and meet everybody in, in the various services and, and see their equipment and vehicles. But I suppose coming out of COVID, um, we decided that you know we would take it to a regional event and include any other. Um, area in the country that would like to host um, uh, National Services Day. Yeah. So um, three years ago we brought it to Cork um, and it was also the 75th anniversary of the, the Irish Naval Service. So we had a huge event down on Kennedy Quay with you know four naval ships, um, two helicopters uh, and 83 different types of vehicles. So this year um, unfortunately, due to manpower restrictions, we can't do the parade, and I believe it's much to the disappointment of people, That's you know, al- around the place. Yeah, that
3: used to be fun. That was that used to be colourful and noisy and all brilliant things like that.
20: It was, and, and I suppose, look, it's just uh, I think at the moment, just with with the services being so busy, it's it, it was quite hard to organise yeah. this for this year. Um, but look, we're, we're hopeful again. We will have that back next year. But I suppose to concentrate on tomorrow, we're going to be in Manhattan Point Shopping Centre. Um, we'll be open to the public from one o'clock until four o'clock, um, where you know we'll have you know all the different services. So you'll have the the emergency service that people traditionally know, the fire brigade the guards um, and the ambulance service, uh, you know, and coast guard. But we also have the volunteer agencies as well. So the likes of River Rescue and, and um, the various agencies. And then the voluntary sector as well, like the St. John's, Red right, Cross, Order, Morton, Defence. They'll all be there as well. And they're all people who come out, I suppose, when people are at their worst. Yeah. We never really see them until something bad happens. Um you know, like the rescue services there have spent, you know, a, a good number of hours on the River Lee uh, this week alone, you know, searching for a missing person. Um, you know, and people people do see the activity on the water, but they don't get to see the people and they don't get to see the equipment that's used. So that's, right. that's yeah. what tomorrow is about, is to allow all of these services, including the military, so the, the Irish Naval Service and the Army as well, um, to all come out to Matt tomorrow. They'll set up all their equipment Fantastic. and allow people to look at it, hold it, try on a suit, you know, Brilliant. talk about the Take job, pictures. Brilliant. you know, and, and get a, a good handle on what these people do. So while it's a day of recognition for the services, it's also a day for them to kind of show off their equipment and what they do, because a lot of people don't actually realise yeah. the skills and, and the equipment that's out there. You know, when it comes to saving a life or, or you know, rescuing somebody, so well, from one, one to four tomorrow, one to four
3: tomorrow at at Mahan Point, all that equipment and all those people will be there. Your chance, if nothing else, to go down and say thanks to them for what they do. Jere, thank you for that, Jero O D from the ambulance service. Oh, 0818 96 96 96. Photographs. Bring the kids. Bring the kids. Take some pictures uh, and just say thanks to those who run into places while we're running out of them. <coughs>
2: Join the
7: conversation.
2: This is the Opinion Live.
7: With Hidden Hearing. Changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM.
6: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.